me get this straight. A thing that looks like a police box standing in a junkyard, it can move anywhere in time and space? Yes. Quite so. But that's ridiculous. Two true freaks. Two true freaks. Two true freaks. very special episode of Two True Freaks. We've finally gotten up off in our asses and uh, gotten around to doing a Doctor Who episode, which, you know, um, there's been about, big demand about for. About damn time. Yeah, we've had de- a lot of demand for that and a lot of interest in it, so here it is, and, and it's probably going to be the first Doctor Who show because we're really only... We're going to talk about the... Um, the latest season of it. We'll be talking about, I'm sure, all kinds of things Doctor Who from all over the place. But, um, yeah, we we're just going to sort of focus on that. So, um, um, here with us tonight, uh, I've got my co-host here, Scott Gardner. How you doing? Hi. Um, actually, it's it's the Irredeemable Shag. Mm. Uh, so, anyway, yeah, uh, we're going to be talking all things Doctor Who. And uh, we've got two guests with us today. Um, and Mike, why don't you say hi to the gang? Hi everybody. You Mike guys have met. Yes. Mike. Yes, and he he's trying to get his introduction by real quick before I can talk about what an insanely prestigious published Star Trek oh, author stop, he is. Stop! Stop! <laughs> so wait, this is the Biblio Mike? Yeah, the guy with gravitas. Uh, the, the guy who adds gravitas. the like sparkly sheen to it's our like show. Like John, like. Uh, Who's the guy from the paper chase? John House. John House. Like John House. Yes. <laughs> a shroud, Mr. Irredeemable Mr. Shag. <laughs> Mr. I didn't know I was in the You come in here with a skull full of mush, and if you survive, you leave thinking like a lawyer. I didn't know I was in the presence of Biblio Mike. Oh, I knew please. it was some guy named Mike. I didn't realize it was. Biblio Mike. Oh my gosh. I know, I was feeling the same thing. I was very excited when I heard it was Biblio Mike. And oh, hush you, we haven't introduced you yet. Yeah, Stop who it. is that voice? Yeah. I didn't I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Don't look behind the curtain. And so anyway. So all, all of the freaks who are actually caught up on our episodes and subscribe to our feed probably recognize that as the voice of Hope Mullinex. The latest Hi. addition to the Demanza Corp Corporation of Podcasts. Sup. With hope of all trades. Because she is a nerd of all trades. <laughs> she's like the she's like the Swiss Army knife of nerds. She, she, she's a, a sonic nerd. screwdriver. She's mm. a nerd and a girl, so what does that make you hope? Top of the food chain. There it is. 
I thought she was going to say a GERD or a neural or something like that. No, that just sounds like <laughs> a terrible viral disease. <laughs> She's a neural. <laughs> it just doesn't make it sound appealing, does it? No, no. I guess that's not the best word. It sounds like if AIDS and herpes had a love child, it'd be neurals. Anyway, Doctor Who. Doctor, Doctor Who. Let's, uh, let's start it out like, um, I did not know my esteemed co-host was so well-versed in the Doctor Who universe. Um, if you could give us a little bit of your uh, Doctor Who credentials, that would be... Sure. Really? Yeah, I just started watching the show uh, in preparation for this podcast. Uh, I've seen about three episodes now. I think Matt Johnson, the new Doctor, is awesome. <laughs> uh, no, uh, sadly, I have had a 30-year um, dedication to the show. <laughs> Almost 30 years. Um I've seen all the episodes for the most part. There's a few of the first two Doctors I haven't seen just because I'm lazy. Um, I have like so 200 of them. So uh, you've seen the Destroyed episodes? No, that, the, those I have not. The, the ones that I've absolutely been missing I haven't seen. And then there's a couple others. Like I just I can't stay awake during the William Hartnell episodes. They're just so boring, and I'm sure I'll get hate mail for that. But anyway. No, um, just imagine him being the wife beater he was, and it makes it very interesting. It's just like, shut up, Susan, smack. I did not know he was anyway. a computer. Um, maybe that's oh, why yeah. he traveled with his, maybe that's why he traveled with his granddaughter. Um, I really enjoy the, the the spin-off stuff, the expanded universe, if you will. Um, the audio dramas, the novels. I've got like two hundred of the audio dramas, four hundred of the novels, oh. comics, the magazines, action figures, role playing games. Uh, I was a play tester in the most recent role playing game. Uh, um, anyway. I, I even have my own 12-foot scarf. I'm that much of a dork. Ooh. My wife puts up with all of it. I used to have one in high school, man. It was one of my most treasured possessions, let me tell you. Until you had to kill a man with it. Yeah. <laughs> it's buried somewhere in in the in the Jersey Pine Barrens. But that's <laughs> another story for another podcast and another day. So, Thank goodness. So we'll, 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 go down, we'll go down the chain on... on um, Doctor Who knowledge, so I think number two on that would be you, Hope. I think you're our, our second level expert in Doctor Who. Alright, um, I'm, I'm mostly, I've only seen about, oh, five episodes of Old Who, and then the awesome movie, which I adore so much. Um, but I'm New Who, I'm the columnist for Doctor Who for newbies.com which you can find at D as in Dr. W for the number in as in newbies.com. Yeah. Wow. Now, now me, I guess that's all that's left is, is me and Mike. Well, I'll, I'll let Mike go first. Cause I'm, I probably know slightly less than <laughs> he does. But I think, I, my, I think I, we're about I, on the same level. Yeah. I'm brand spanking new to this. Now that's not for lack of friends having tried in the past. To get me interested. There was a guy I went to high school with. Uh, this was about the time that uh, Sylvester McCoy was taking over the role, and he tried to get me to watch. And I, I tried, but I just couldn't get into it. And uh, I think I was mainly put off by the visual look of it, and that really shouldn't have been a problem because I was already a big Star Trek fan, and all we had at that point was the original series and, and the movies. But so you know, cheesy effects and flimsy sets uh, that shouldn't have put me off as much as it did. Um, but for whatever reason, I never got into it. I did enjoy the TV movie back in 96. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember enjoying it. 
maybe if I saw it again now, I wouldn't. I understand it doesn't have a very good reputation in fandom, but I liked it at the time. But I uh, uh, but did not jump on board in 2005. Um, but this year, with the BBC America running as much promotional uh, material as they did for the Matt Smith series, I decided to tune in, and I loved the 11th hour and uh, planned to stick with it for a long time, hopefully. So that's, that's, that's my background. Well, me, I, I was a big Tom Baker you know, I, I sort of I sort of jumped on the Tom, you know, Doctor Who, Monty Python, and PBS. You know, PBS was showing Monty Python, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and Doctor Who, all at just the perfect time for me to catch on to them. And but I sort of dropped out of Doctor Who once Tom Baker was gone. I wasn't. I, I didn't like the next guy. I thought he was. He, it was the guy from All Things Great and Small. Um, Peter, Peter Davidson. Davidson, yeah, and uh, oh. and I was just sort of like, oh, okay, yeah, and I was, I loved the Marvel comics that came out. I think is like Marvel Premiere or something. I got, I got a few of those, and and I used to read the books in high school, and then nothing, nothing. And when the new Who started out in the movie, I would catch little pieces of it on TV, and all my friends were really into it. And I just always meant to watch it and never did. And when I did, I like caught one, like most of one episode because I'm a big ELO fan. And there was one episode that almost centered around ELO. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I would notice it was, would be kind of, it would be really serious and good. And then it would be punctuated by moments of supreme cheesiness and corniness that would really like Doctor Who's carrying the Olympic torch and everybody's going yeah! <laughs> oh my god I hate fear and, That's and, and I was there. going ooh okay but you know I've my That's my roommates god. were eating up this new season and just and they'd never seen Doctor Who before and they're like you ever heard of Doctor Who you gotta see this this is great and I'm like have I ever heard of Doctor Who uh, okay, and and uh, and like you, I saw the eleventh hour, and from that point on, I was just like started queuing up all the rest of the episodes because uh, I was, uh, yeah, I was hooked. I I like I like the Matt Smith Doctor. I think he's a very, uh, I think he's very good. And uh, so in this first part, we're gonna sort of cover the first third of the the season, which is the eleventh hour, which was you know the his first episode uh the beast below victory of the daleks and then there was a two-parter with the uh angels the time of angels and flesh and stone so uh and that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna try to tackle in part one here so the 11th hour it's a uh, um well first of all let's let's sort of uh yeah well let's sort of go around in a circle what did you think scott <laughs> uh it's um Shag, but uh, okay. anyway. Shut uh, up, Scott. I th- <sighs> okay, great. Anyway, I thought it was excellent. Uh, it was actually quite possibly my favorite episode of the season, and without a doubt, was the best first episode for any Doctor yet. Out of all the Doctors, it was it was amazing. I was totally entranced. Um, loved it. That's my brief summary. I, I have to say, I I don't know. I don't have as much to compare it to but yeah it it completely i'm a sucker for time travel stories and well i know i'm going to get time travel with doctor who but it's usually not as much of an issue as it was in this one so this one had the element of time travel in it so that made it extra appealing 
for me. What what about you, Hope? After the specials of last year and that just total disappointment at the end of David Tennant's era, I was like a dehydrated fangirl finding water. Just a plethora of amazing water with like Coke Zero in it. It was <laughs> it was so good. And the cinematography was amazing and it just it, I was so scared about the new doctor because Tennant was my first doctor and he was my favorite, so and Matt Smith's only four years older than me. So I was kind of worried about him being so young. And God, I love Stephen Moffat. He just made me realize that I'm in good hands. I'm going to be okay. And my doctor is going to be amazing. So I was very happy with it. Yeah, that's the thing that impressed me most. Because I had really nothing to compare it to. Um, knew the vague you know, premise of the show. But uh, got sucked in because it was a story about the power of story. And I love those kind of stories where you know it's it, it's you've got this girl who prays to santa and this guy shows up and then he disappears and in all those intervening years she keeps the stories of him alive and enlists rory and dressing up like the doctor and all the people in the village know about the raggedy doctor and, and it, it, it turns out that knowing the story is essential to saving the world so it, you know it just had that real sort of uh power of faith in, in, in story and, and something uh, magical about that and so that really grabbed me and aside from the fact that Matt Smith was great in the role and Karen Gillan's great in her role um, so I was, yeah, like I said earlier I was just hooked right away Couldn't believe it. And, and you said uh, feeling like you're in good hands the story I felt uh, gave you all the tools you needed to, to read it for meaning not just for plot and it felt like it was really going to go somewhere and that carried all the way through the whole season um, and I was really impressed by that too because it seems like very few American television series do that well even the ones that are planned as serials um, but this one really uh, made you a promise in episode one and carried it all the way through and I appreciated that a great deal you know the the producer Moffat did actually say a few times that this was the season was a fairy tale and and you've kind of hit on it there the story of a story I mean it's that's a good way to see, say that um, it's just neat to see that it did play through and also as far as giving you all the tools I kind of think of this one as the, as the third pilot of the show uh, the first episode being Rose which was the first one with Chris Freckleston the next one being the third season premiere with David Tennant and um, Martha. Because that really was like another pilot for the show for new viewers, and this was again like another pilot for new viewers, and uh, it's just great. The only thing I didn't like about the episode, and I wish it was the something that carried all through. Do you guys remember that scene where he's trying to find the alien, and you see Rory, and it goes through his phone, and it goes through like everybody else's phone, and uh -huh. it, that I wish that that kind of feel where like the doctor would see something and then he would see it through everything. I wish that had carried through because it's only in that episode, and it was such a cool moment to me. And it almost showed the power of the Doctor and his ability just to be, well, just being fucking amazing. And that was the one thing I wish carried throughout the series, because I would love to see that trip he used over and over again, because he was noticing every detail and was tracking it. Well, it was cool. I think I might have gotten tired of it week after week. Um, but I, I think there was a similar moment for Amy in the next episode. And I thought that once it had been done twice, the Doctor... Uh, sees things other people don't see and that was cool and, and that was established and then the, the second episode and i'm jumping ahead a little bit here but that's about that's about amy sort of learning to see the world 
and life the way the doctor sees it. So, so with those two episodes, having those two moments that are effects driven, it announces to you, the viewer, as a theme, this is a story about, in part, learning to see things differently and learning to see things truly and learning to see past deception and learning to see under the surface. And so I thought once it had been set up like that, uh, I didn't need it, didn't need the effect repeated time after time. But I agree with you. It was a very uh, striking moment and um, very effective. What I, I, I thought by the second episode, the, the, the Beast Below, that Amy was establishing herself insane you know there wasn't this slow build up uh, she she started picking up on the whole the whole ebb and flow of being the doctor's partner very quickly and sometimes that could be like lazy writing because since everybody knows the doctor usually has a sidekick and and sort of you know how the how it goes living with the doctor but they don't they her character is so incredibly like strong and strong-willed and inquisitive that you know she's she she you know most people sort of are just sort of confused by the doctor most of the time he's sort of just sort of playing head games with them or just sort of messing with them a little bit but she picks right up on it and she's right there with him you know and uh, one, and she wraps her head around the idea of the TARDIS and time travel and and everything I think we're all about to say the same thing. <laughs> she spent her whole life training for this. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Story. And also, like, we find out later in the, in the season finale, she's had the entire universe pour into her brain her entire life. Right. right. So. It's got to leave a headache or something. <laughs> um, quick thing on the first episode. I, I fell for Amy immediately. Um, just, yeah. she's... She's got the spunk. She's, a, you know, just from a physical point of view, she's adorable. She, her eyes, obviously, I, I really think she got her job because her eyes and how big she can make her eyes. I mean, just wow. Um, talk about mugging for the camera. But uh, there's something about a she, British accent with the with the nerd guys too, isn't there? She's <laughs> Scottish they all laugh and noisy. hot. Yeah. Well, she's she's got long red hair, and my, my yeah. wife has long red hair. I'm a sucker for redheads, yeah, so I mean, that that probably helped too. Seems to be but a I, common yeah. thread too. I, I bought her completely, though, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. mm-hmm. I think if this had been the first season of Doctor Who rather than the previous four seasons being around, the the whole world went batshit for Billy Piper as Rose. I mean, like every guy, every nerd guy who was watching Doctor Who was like in love with her. If this had been the first season, I think there would have been that same international uh, yeah. love affair with her. No doubt. I think it would have happened yeah. for her. I just think Rose beat her to the punch. I like her because she's just as quick and clever as the Doctor. She might not be the, as smart as the Doctor, but she's just as quick. Well, she's the, she, the only reason she's not as smart as the Doctor is he's got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years on her. But <laughs> Yeah, but she's I, she's quick in a streetwise way, but she's also intelligent also. And, you know, and, I, and she balances this Doctor very well because something I like about Matt Smith, because like, I like, I like Tennant and Eccleston because they're very easy to get along with. With, but at the same time, it was almost too simple at times. And Matt Smith is just so alien. Like he he acts like yeah. an alien. Like we're not to it yeah. yet, but when we get to the lodger, he just doesn't. I, and this is something I can't always buy because of Tenet. But he doesn't really know how to act like a human, which I don't buy because he was the tenth Doctor. But we'll get to that. I uh, I like the fact that she's she's hard to 
to phase to, to freak out and I mean in a horror monster situation she does a bit but in the everyday situations where things are calm like where she meets Winston Churchill she's just like oh hello yeah, yeah. you know and it, it doesn't phase her and I like that that she's just got her shit put together yeah yeah, yeah. she's and um and I and it'll come in more in part two once he's introduced it as a second sidekick but the character of Rory, you know, I love how they sort of introduce him here in this, these first episodes as being just sort of the, you know, I thought, well, this poor guy, he's just some poor doofy boyfriend, you know, boyfriend that she's going to marry, you know, how can he compete with, with, you know, the traveling with Doctor Who, you know, so I thought he was just going to be that character. You know, and, oh, and, and maybe... I, I was thinking Jesus and baby Jesus and Mary in the manger that he didn't end up being another Mickey. Because the moment I saw him, I was just like, fuck, it's another Mickey. And I was so mad and so upset. And I'm just, I just want to say now, I'm so happy he's not Mickey. Okay, I'm done. He, he was, uh, he was... You're, you're, you're exactly right, Hope. I was so worried he was Mickey. And I'm so glad he's a, a different guy. And I, I cheer was cheering for him. By the end of the season. Well, yeah. Oh no, they 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 put made him, and it's and it's really funny. It it, it sort of goes back to the whole thing being a story or a, or a, you know a, a a sort of story book fable sort of thing, is is he's basi- like the he's, bumbling knight. Well, yeah, but but Doctor Who is Doctor Who realizes, this poor guy is going to get left by the wayside, and he's a good guy, and you know. He 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 brings Rory in and purposely integrates him, and really is he's the one who who brings his character forward for us. You know, the Doctor brings him in, throws him in, and makes him play on his strengths. So from him being just sort of like ah the boring boyfriend to all of a sudden he's a character you're sympathizing with and and rooting for, and you're rooting for him to get the girl too, which is uh, yeah. Most most of the time you wouldn't really want to root. You would want to keep her single for your, you know, for nerd fantasy <laughs> purposes. <laughs> I, I read the interview. I, with, with I I I, st- I stopped listening to you when you referred to the doctor as Doctor Who. Me too. <sighs> See, I don't know. I'm I'm I'm. Are you still talking? Are you still talking? I'm going Shut up. from I'm going from Tom Baker to this. So so there you go. I don't know. I think Mike was trying to say something. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, Mike. Sorry. I read an interview with Arthur Darville where he was talking about the uh, the Vampires of Venice episode, where he said, you know, Rory sort of brings the sensible perspective to things because by that point, Amy and the Doctor, they're all whooped up about the fact they're dealing with aliens masquerading as vampires, and Rory's the only one who's like. Don't you think this is a problem? You know, shouldn't we be running away? And, he, and Arthur Darville <laughs> thought that a lot of viewers could probably identify with that. Yes. You know, that this is not something to be excited about. <laughs> that you're facing this mortal peril. You know, yeah. so um, he becomes a proxy for the for the the viewer. You know, he brings some balance to yeah. it sort of the, forms this, this triangle then of a, a balance to. The interesting thing about that is they, they, is that that triangle, the balance point. They tried to do that with Mickey. Mickey, they tried to make Mickey the point of reason, but he was never likable. And somehow, maybe it's the actor or the writing. I don't know which. Now, but this this guy makes it work. I've only seen a few episodes of the first series with, with Eggleston, uh, so I don't know much about Mickey yet. Don't know his ultimate fate or whatever. Um, spoilers. So, but uh, but I but so far <laughs> I like him. I don't know. I'm I'm only up to episode uh, six. Of the first See the season. difference between but he seems oh, likable to me so far. The difference between Mickey and Rory to me is the fact that if it was 
tenant doctor. The doctor always, throughout the entire series, like all 11 of them, has always been like embracing humanity, the, the greatness of the, the common man, how all of humanity is not built off like rich, awesome, amazing people, it's built off the common man. But then you see Mickey, and the doctor just totally steals his girl, and just like leaves him in another dimension, and just just totally fucks him over because he wants to have a little tra la romance with Rose. And that's, it didn't mesh well with me because the doctor wasn't that kind of person for the entire show before it. And that's why I appreciate about Matt Smith and about Stephen Moffat writing Rory this way because it does embrace the common man and it does show that Rory became something greater because his experience with the doctor. Okay, I'm done. So, okay, so we we call him, so it's uh, the proper thing to call him is the doctor. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay. Otherwise, get otherwise get the hell off my show. Hey. <laughs> Me and Shag can have a show. And Mike. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Less work the, the, for me. We'll be the, we'll be the three true freaks. Ooh, oh. Oh. Well, I'm gonna. I'll catch up. Can we be called? No, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna catch up. I'm gonna find out why he's called the Doctor, and not oh, Doctor no. Who. And then I'm still Good gonna. Then I'm still gonna call him Doctor Who. <laughs> Just to be you, a prick. You, you search and you let me know when you find that answer. Yeah, I will, man. I will. <laughs> Maybe in this it's year's not. Christmas special. All right. On to the beast below. Uh, <laughs> I, I, like to refer to, I like to refer to this episode as the one uh, uh, Stephen Moffat found left over in Russell T. Davies' desk. Oh. See, I liked this, it. I liked it. I, I liked the this is a le- to that. But this I know is a leftover. Like and, and maybe Hope will argue, I think this is a leftover tenant script. Go ahead, though. I would, I would, I wouldn't. I, I really liked the whole, um, the whole, twi- you know. I thought I had it, f- it, f- it. First, it started out being like some sort of, you know, Doctor Who version of Pink Floyd, The Wall with an evil school, and and then <laughs> it turned into, you know, evil humans exploiting an animal. But then it shaded it in quite a bit after that, and I loved the whole thing about where you had to go. You know, you could choose to forget. Yes. You know the whole the whole thing, and and I love Doctor Who's reaction when when you know he found out that Shut Amy had, <laughs> had chose to forget. You know, I, I I was like, holy shit, this is a this is an angry Doctor Who. This guy gets yeah. And <laughs> and as we find out later, he he does a lot of yelling and um, standing up for himself. Whereas I'm used to like the Tom Baker Doctor Who, who was more like Bugs Bunny, who did more of the like kiss you on, <laughs> kiss the hunter on the nose, and then do a little jump in the air and hop da- back down the rabbit hole. Well, Matt Smith can do that too, I think, from what little I've seen of Tom yes. Baker. They can both bug out their eyes very effectively. Yes, but Tom Baker was like whimsical. You know, he was like you know Ogden Nash. He was like some rock star Ogden Nash Doctor Who, and this guy's that- a little. You know, I mean, I don't know any of this. St- I never saw the the Doctor Who movie they did back in the '80s, with all the doc with all the living doctors in it. I uh-huh. never saw that that whole yeah. production. So I don't know how he got. You know, I noticed that they were referring to him as being the last. You know, the last remaining Time Lord, and that he's pretty much considered like one of the universe's greatest badasses. Also, yeah. is is that, what I got out of this whole shebang. Chris, I just I just want to make sure I, I know which one you're talking about. Are you talking about the Five Doctors, that 80s yes. one? Yes. Yeah. 
AKA the Rassilon drinking game, where you take a shot every time they say Rassilon. Awesome. You'd be drunk within 20 minutes. I know, um, right? The, uh, that analogy of Tom Baker to, to Bugs Bunny is, is some sort of work of genius. I don't know if you came up that with yourself, but I man, did. just it, now, that's man. just that's like wow. That that Tom Baker as Bugs Bunny totally works. <laughs> that's why I liked him so much. I love you know I've always loved the Bugs Bunny sense of humor, and he was, you know, the first I I remember the first Doctor Who episode I saw. And all I remember about it is he walked up to somebody, a guard, you know, who had a gun in his hand and tapped him on the shoulder. And he said, excuse me, I'm a spy. And then (laughs) knocked him unconscious somehow. And uh, the doctors don't do as much after Tom Baker. I don't think they did as much like knocking people out, but he would knock he would knock somebody's ass out. And he and he just had that sort of like. You, you might have think that Doctor Who might have been smoking some sort of funny Gallifrey pipe or something at, at some point, you know, with his... Those weren't jelly babies he was eating. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's right, jelly babies. Oh, my God. I wanted jelly babies so bad when I was watching that. I, I had They don't taste that good. had no idea what they were, but I knew they had to be awesome because the doctor ate them. They're, 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 with custard yeah. too much. How many <laughs> how many nerds have twelve foot scarfs with jelly babies stuck all over them, like old jelly babies, like into little dreadlocks into the scarf? <laughs> so so I take it you weren't a big fan of the beast below then. Well, I was gonna say who hadn't said their piece on this one yet? Is Hope? Have you gone on this one yet? No, but I, I actually you're gonna be very shocked. Um, I kind of agree with you. It's what? Kinda, I know, like, ev- everyone knows. I just hate Russell T. Davis. I am so happy he was, he's gone, but I kind of feel the same. I feel like it was kind of left over. I just, it wasn't an amazing episode. It wasn't a bad episode. It was just, like, right in the middle for me. Kind of meh. Well, I looked at it. I, I figured that, that after doing the big introduction, they had to do something that just sort of, just sort of set the precedent of, like, this is what a standalone you know, normal episode of Doctor... I mean, it all... It, it, you started realizing that they were developing a story arc when you saw the crack at the end of this one. Yeah, and, that was about yeah. the only thing that's Yeah, and that's something... I mean, even if it was a leftover story, they that was just a special effect that they could have hacked on to the end of it to to adapt it. But it, it just seemed like, okay, here's, here's just your... I don't want to say pedestrian, because I enjoyed it, but here's your you know standard what what you can expect here's gonna be one that has your story your resolution by the end of it and you know we're gonna introduce a bunch of characters and have some interplay between doctor who and, although as you said and, that that business of you learn the truth and you can choose to forget it or protest and everybody choosing to forget if you look at I mean, like you said that was really i thought a brilliant stroke because it's a great metaphor for really how our society functions a lot of the time unfortunately we we choose to forget you know and turn a blind eye i do think the one flaw i had with the episode was uh it was a little convenient that the whale uh, really wanted to help and i mean it's good for everybody it was so forgiving i guess i thought on some other shows maybe there would have been more more fallout from the fact that it had been tortured for so long but uh but i liked it it reminded me a lot of the the devil in the dark from the old star trek series and it had that kind of morality play feel to it. So so I really uh, enjoyed it. I, I Again, I, I haven't seen 
much of the RTD era yet, so I can't speak as to whether or not it's more of the same. But Don't for somebody worry, brand new to the show, it was a pretty good second helping. You'll feel so much it, it, Overall, <laughs> I'm curious, how did you get through four seasons of, uh, of Eccleston and Tennant with RTD as the showrunner? Well, see, like, I hadn't had Matt Smith. My first Doctor was, was I, the first season I watched, my first episode was Girl in the Fireplace, which is a Stephen Moffat Shit. episode. My second one was Blink, which was a Stephen oh Moffat God. episode. Yes. Those are my first two episodes. And then okay. I kind of, oh. I watched all of season three, and then I went back and watched season one and two, and then I saw season four. That's, I went that's, to a, that's a hell of a way to start with those two. Wow. I know. So I was like really pumped up, and then and then I watched season five with all the special season five, quote unquote, the special era. And the next Doctor sucked. Pilot sucked. Watch the Mars was fucking amazing until the Doctor went crazy at the end, and then the end of time made me want to shoot myself so bad. Wow. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, God, it's, it's, it's so bad. It's interesting because everybody's entitled to their own opinion, except almost all of Hopes is wrong. So that's what's interesting. Um, Waters of Mars was a waste of my life. I'd like to have back. Um, the next Doctor was great. Um, no, the guy whined. He fucking cried the entire time. I'm just like, dude, get over it. I, okay. I would have watched a whole season of that guy as the Doctor. He was so good. Oh uh, the, I would have drank of... a gallon of his tears. I would have. <laughs> God, you, you want to talk about fucking crying? David Tennant cried every 15 minutes on that show. I mean, they'd have to stop and go, oh, wait, I haven't cried, and then he'd finish, put it in the scene. Um, Russell okay, T. Davies though, actually... D- Russell T. Davies actually... There, he's, he has he comes with good and bad, but you have to accept him as good. You just have to make that conscious choice because he brought the show back. The show was sure. dead, gone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, BBC was going to bring it back, but it could have failed completely on its face like the TV movie did in 96 from Fox. Um, but Russell T- RTD found a way to make it work. He found a way for my non-geek wife to watch the show. My wife, who does not like science fiction whatsoever, watched damn near every episode of the first two seasons because she wanted to see the relationship between Rose and the Doctor. Once Rose was gone, she didn't really watch it much anymore. Um, she'll watch it occasionally. But he found a formula to get geeks like us tied in and to get regular people tied in, and it worked, and it saved the show. It made an international hit. So, yes, he wrote agree some. With you. I he wrote some shitty ones. And I loved, I loved the tenth Doctor. David Tennant was my favorite Doctor, and I've seen other Doctors, and he's still he was my favorite Doctor until the eleventh hour, and I was just blown away by Matt Smith, and I'm blown away by Stephen Moffat. So and like I do like I do like a lot of Russell T Davies like plots like I love Captain Jack Harkness oh my God I hope to God he comes back I I miss Jack so much <laughs> and I miss Donna like those are just amazing oh. characters to me but and best I, companion she is like I miss a lot of the characters and their relationships but I know we're not gonna get Jack back I know we're gonna get Donna because they're Russell T Davies characters but on the flip side I pray to God we get Sally Sparrow back <laughs> yeah. Just well, I mean, even the, even the Doctor in this incarnation, even though Matt Smith is his own person and Steve Mossa did it, it's so influenced by what RTD did before, though. I mean, it's... I, 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 I may not carry something for it to make sense. He right. can't just be like, fuck you, RTD, and then go on his own thing. Like, it has to carry over or you're going to lose your viewers. He's the same... So, uh, I mean, I can... Yeah, it's got to be the same I can sit there and character. pick apart... Exactly. I mean, I can pick apart some of the RTD episodes, but overall, I give him a pass because he gave me my show back. It ended for me in 89, and I was miserable. 
and you know I thrived in the wilderness years on the expanded universe, and then he brought me, gave me my show back, and damn, it's better than ever. Uh, the other thing I was going to say about it is that before the new series came back, I read an article that the entire series season was going to be like blank, like have that creek kind of flip to it. I'm not with episode that kind of really introduced that and I think it was the one episode that drove that all the way through. That's all I was going to say. It was a very important Well, don't sell yourself short. It could be very important. No, remember we've established her opinion's wrong. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. But I'm a girl, so I'm on top of the food chain. Top of the food chain, but still wrong. Shut up, Scott. Okay, so... so, so Fuck! So what did you guys think about uh, about the, the World War Two? Space airplanes. I 100% <laughs> fucking hated it. I hated it. It was terrible. <laughs> All right, Mike, you, you, you it take was us cool. in. I bought it. I mean, I yeah, it was it was it was quick. It happened fast, and and uh, it was sort of cheesy. But you know, Spitfires in space, sure. I, I mean, not? they were they, this alien. I this like the idea. I like that idea. Can, or a machine, rather, he can. Uh, Whip this up in a jiffy. I, I, okay. <laughs> I, I I like that. I like that idea, but it's just like, all of a sudden there they are, you know, out of nowhere. It's like, oh wait, well, we're having heard... a dog face, a dog fight in space. Oh wait, wait I, you know, I didn't know this. You know, their bodies wouldn't be physically trained for that. Just saying. Well, I was just. I, I, it was one of those things. It was you know the, the Millennium Falcon showing up Gravity at the last bubble, second thing. Right, gravity bubbles, right? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna buy uh, the Doctor and the TARDIS and the Daleks and meeting Winston Churchill, well, all that I was I was you know, psyched okay. about. I, I I like the whole idea of Winston's. Yeah, I like. He, he makes he makes a good point. The planes in space was your line in the sand. Yes, right? <laughs> but it was only but the, it wasn't it wasn't actually that the planes were in space. It's just that all of a sudden there were planes in space. I wish there would have been something earlier. They would have, you know, they would have passed. About did they? I mean, I well, that's. Raceball says I he's got all these ideas him. in his head, and like, if you just had the time to put them, you know. Into, well, yeah, I think, but I think there was a, no, it, it, it wasn't much. I grant you, it was. Well, not I, much I would say these guys were flying right? like they've been flying in space forever. You know, they were, no, you know, they were bubble. really I'm, good. Static warp field, whatever you want to call <laughs> it. They're still using <laughs> propellers. There's nothing to push against. There's no air to push the goddamn plane. That's how the planes fly. They were still in the atmosphere a little bit, I think. I will say I liked everything about this episode except for the scenes the Daleks were in. Um, I liked the 1940s stuff. I liked Winston Churchill. I actually liked the planes in space as ludicrous as I liked it because it was so ludicrous. It's like, uh -huh. oh, you're fucking kidding. I was like, you're fucking kidding me. Okay, I'll fall in love with it. Why not? That kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but anytime the Daleks were on screen themselves, I wanted to vomit. And then when they showed the new Daleks, which I like to, the I like iPod to refer to them Daleks, I call them the Skittles Daleks <laughs> for the rainbow colors. But um, I call them the Blender Daleks. I I really thought they were going to get wiped out at the end of the season, and I was really bothered that they weren't. Um, they they were wretched. They were really one of the worst things uh, Moffat's probably ever done. Actually, I will agree. I was waiting for like the cheesy music to come on. They, they literally, they literally trotted. Well, yeah, they literally trotted them out on the showroom floor. Yeah, they one at like, a time. Yeah. yeah, it's like red Dalek, baby blue Dalek. <laughs> yeah, the, the 
Daleks did not impress me much in that episode, and and not having again not having a history with them, I I didn't know what to make of that. Still don't. I've seen the first the Eccleston series episode Dalek now, so I have a greater appreciation for for them as a concept than as a species. That's a masterpiece. That's a masterpiece episode. I was I was that's the first episode that he's been that Eccleston has done that I would think I would want to watch again. I haven't been impressed so far. Hopefully much. My problem with this episode is it felt like it almost feels like there has to be one required dialect episode every season. Yeah, and actually, it was like they actually, wrote the entire actually, season. You're, you're right. They're actually they have to in order to keep the Daleks the rights to them. They have to have a dialect episode every season. But it, it's that? almost not a surprise oh, anymore. Like it's not a shock. And I would actually be more surprised if they didn't didn't put them in a season because be like, oh my god, where the where are they? And I'd actually wonder and care about them coming back. <laughs> I just didn't give a damn. Uh, well, I did yeah. like the bit. I did like the bit where the Dalek says to the Doctor, "You do not require tea." As he's whacking it with a crowbar, well, I thought that was a nice. <laughs> I like the part where the Doctor started questioning the one Dalek, and the Dalek is like, "I have work to do somewhere else," and like <laughs> scurried right. off. I thought that was pretty, pretty goofy in in a fun sort of way. But yeah, Something? but the Daleks, if they have to, if they're gonna retain the marketing rights for Daleks, they're gonna have them on there because there's uh, nothing more marketable. It's like the Dalek and the TARDIS are like the foundation of Doctor Who toys forever. I mean, I, I could be wrong about that. I may have made that up in my mind that they have to. I know they said they will. They'll put the Daleks in every season. Well, from I may this be, point on, we're gonna about... we're gonna operate as if that's you know. Canon. <laughs> yes. Well, that's the only, that's, the, that's the only way to excuse Daleks in Manhattan. Um, Wait. Also, really? Anything you know, you know, we say is canon? <laughs> Jack and the Doctor made out anything, every episode. Okay, it's canon. <laughs> no, I was just saying. Um, anything Scott says is canon. Uh, he's not here. Jesus. All right. I anyway. Think something uh, that would have made the episode a lot better would be like if it had because the episode was also really short. It was one of the shortest. Ep- of the season, so they had time to put in a little bit more to help kind of explain things through. And I just kind of wanted to see one little scene where the Doctor maybe started questioning, like, maybe these are new Daleks, because it's not very often the Doctor questions himself. So I thought that would have gave it a little bit more oomph. Yeah, he was this is the only episode I hate. I, I loved everything. I just thought it would have been a perfect opportunity for that robot scientist to have been like, Oh yeah, and I also invented this robot dog, Doctor. And like, I would have been a happy, happy, happy. I would have been a happy, happy man. I'm busy over in the Sarah Jane Adventures. Oh really? Yeah, he's on the Sarah Jane show now. Oh, oh well, I'm going there, man. Because if if there's no, he's 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 in the real world now. If there's a talking dog, if there's a talking dog, I'm there, man. I love talking dogs. Summer of Sam. A masterpiece, Scooby Doo and Scooby Doo Two. So, so you mean you like Scrappy Doo? Any, if it has a talking dog in it, it's, it's that's just hits my pleasure center. (laughs) It's you're really you're really struggling there. You're trying to stick to your ground, but I brought something up really shitty, and you're like, yeah, any (laughs) any talking. Well, I I had to think and go. Well, yes, that Scrappy Doo is a talking dog. Yes, and. Now, I'll give I'll give you Dynamite and Scooby Dumb. No shit, I'm there with you on those. But Scrappy, really? There, you know, I mean, I prefer like the Summer of Sam talking dog that says like "kill your neighbor," but you don't get that as often as as you know 
he's, you know, yikes. <laughs> so speaking of Bracewell, <laughs> he was, I thought, was maybe it saved the episode for me. It's probably still one of my least favorites of the season. But but that whole oh, by the way, thank you, Mike. About him. What's that? <laughs> by the way, thank you for. Oh, rescuing you? <laughs> Taking a pry but, bar but, but and because, putting me back because on the track. Because the thing about Bracewell and, and Amy and the Doctor having to talk him down from blowing up and, and the Doctor focusing so much on sort of unrelenting grief and pain and misery and Amy acknowledging the truth of that, but that there's also some kind of pleasure. I mean, bringing up the, 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 the memories of a lost love, someone you fancy shouldn't have, that, there's, that, that life is about sometimes this mixture of pleasure and pain and, and good and bad and that maybe anticipates Vincent and the doctor and, and for sure that whole scene is played out again with Rory and uh, in the Pandorica opens. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what I love is it, it goes to what I was going to say was Bracewell is an important element for the series the season as a whole because he goes to that theme of us being a story about story because how how is the crisis averted how is he saved from blowing up he learns to tell a different story about himself yeah i love Churchill's line to him i don't care if you're a machine are you a man and for, for me what that line means is you define yourself you don't you know e even if you are nuts and bolts and gears and levers and whatever yeah that's not who you are you get to decide yeah. who you are you get Buck to shape up. your identity and your destiny and there's a there's a technique called um, narrative therapy i don't know much about it i'm exposed to it briefly but what you do with a client is uh help them learn to tell their story differently so that they are empowered rather than disempowered and i thought that's what amy does for bracewell and and then at the end of the show where she's saying oh the doctor you did it again like no amy you did it this time just like you did last week you know you really saved the day but uh so bracewell i love that character and i thought he was so important thematically to the season as a whole that uh, that's what makes that episode passable in my book. I, I think that's really interesting you bring that up because I, I never even considered the guy, even when he was on screen, I was just forgetting about him. Because I, I, I've seen that kind of scene so many times where the doctor makes some alien or robot or whatever feel emotion or whatever. Oh. But but you... That's kind of the way. But, but no, you're, you're putting it in a context that's really impressive. And, and, I, and I didn't see the fact that they were changing his story and how it related to the rest of the season i didn't see it that way and and you're making a lot of sense and uh, i appreciate that actually because you're helping open my eyes to something else for the season that, that actually yeah, i could find myself really enjoying that's why we uh, have him on man the class yeah he brings the class i tell you he uses a lot of big words i know um, that's so yeah, i have my dictionary open right here it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's all a sham one of the interesting themes there is you know the he what is his name bracewell is that it He's important to saving the day. One of the themes you see throughout this whole season is that human beings are bad. Are bad. Human beings are awful, awful. And, and that's really been kind of a theme all the way through RTD as well. Um, but you look at the beast below, oh. human beings, bad people. In this case, it's the robot that saves the day. You know, you'll see this again in, um, takes, in the Hungry Earth and Cold Blood. To, to, to make the robot into a human being, though. I mean, when he saves the day, he's no longer a machine. He's a man. As Churchill yeah. says, and and then when you get to the Silurian episodes, there's good and bad humans all over the place. Uh, True. Anyway, True. But, but that's, that's you, you do raise an interesting point there. I had, you know, I'll have to look for that as I keep watching the Russell T Davies stuff. 
Well, as you watch, you'll notice there's it's kind of a in, in, an off. And the doctor celebrates humans, and the, and then the next episode he says that they're one of the most dangerous species in the universe. Yes, he he he's, well, he he does spend an awful lot of time either talking us up or talking us down, and yeah. you know for whatever purpose you know he he's doing you know. And in the episode Dalek from the first the Eccleston series, you don't have very many good specimens of humanity. I mean, you've got. The guy, the, the collector guy, and, and his uh, vicious lady henchman, and you know. Yep. So, so you, I love her. She oh, was yes. awesome. She was Great. so badass. Great she character. Was in, yeah. She was in Stargate for a while too. That actress. So, okay. Well, we can uh, wrap up this segment with the horror part of the, 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 the season. Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. I, Let me ask you a question before we start this one. It have had everyone seen Blink before watching this? No, no. I've never okay. seen it. Once I watched Eleventh Hour, I said I'm not going to go back and watch anything until the season is over, and I stuck to that. So that's sort of what Very I did too. Interesting. That's what I did okay. too. So I had all fresh. I didn't know anything about the angels of the Weeping Angel. Yeah, let's hear let's hear y'all before Hope and I jump in. Why don't you guys tell us your impressions of Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone? Oh, very. Uh, yeah, I'll go let ahead. you start. No, I was gonna say I'll let, I'll let you go oh. first. Are you sure? Yes. I, 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 sure. I, not, I mean, I thought they. Oh, were, good lord! Start talking. They were impressively creepy villains. I, I, I they were very scary. <laughs> it was very amazingly how these these statues could be so scary, but they were. And uh, I loved the character of River Song. I didn't know yeah. anything about her before either. I found that fascinating. She's sort of like. Merlin to the Doctor, you know, living her life backwards or out of order, at least, whatever, from the Doctor's perspective. Um, great, two great episodes, just and yeah, just great. Yeah, <laughs> speechless. I, I, I'm, I'm right, I'm right there with you. I, I didn't know. I'm, I'm assuming River Songs probably showed up before because she sort of had that entrance of like a character we've seen before, you know, yeah, and somebody she's in coming season. back. Yeah, I really, I liked her character. I liked her. You know her relationship with the doctor and all the cryptic, you know, things that that she was saying in it. And yeah, I love the angels. It, I never, yeah. never heard of them before, and I love a new kind of monster with its own set of rules. And their set of rules sounded goofy at first, and I was like, really? That's the threat with these things? And then as it went on, you know, it, it showed exactly how, you know, how that that they were threatening because of you know the fact that partially because of the fact that you know there's statues and that you could underestimate that and they have time on their side you know and they just they just wait eventually you're gonna look away the scene the scene yeah. where the where the uh one captain or or whatever had gotten snap you know snagged and doctor who looked at him yeah. just in time you know with the with the Angel had his armor on his throat. That was a truly creepy and yes. and horrifying moment, you know. Yeah. For, and and it reminded me of the old Tom Baker's when you had like um, you, what was it, the Evil Cabinet of Doctor Wang Chiang or something, where you had mm -hmm. like you know Jack the Ripper like monsters, you know, killer monster stories. And I was really, it was it it, it was a genuinely suspenseful and creepy two episodes it was one of those ones where i was watching it and i was like oh shit this is creeping up to the end of it you know this is going to be a two-parter oh my god so I, I i was very happy with it 
H- have you guys watched Blink now? No. No, but do I'm going back to watch River Songs for okay. Spirits. Go, I go, it. Do it. Go, go do it right get, now. Get your hand. Well, not right now. After the podcast. Not right now. But... <laughs> no, right <laughs> now. <laughs> seriously. Nice talking to you. Once you once you get your hands on Blink, watch it alone in your house. Okay, like at <laughs> night. Dark. Night, in the dark, like maybe during a stormy night. You know what? Go unlock your front door. Leave your front <laughs> unlocked, but you watch it so you're just a little bit on edge. Oh, we got and, like uh, neighborhood crackheads and stuff too. I could really yeah. enhance my you experience. Go. You will not sleep that night. It, it is it is that amazing. I will tell you that Blink is one of the best hours of science fiction television ever. It doesn't Ooh, matter if it's Doctor Who or not. Nice. It is one of the best hours yeah. of science fiction. Science fiction. Now, now that you've seen though the follow-up episodes, I don't know if it'll have as much of an impact. But oh, I uh, think it will. Like I've seen Blink so many times, and it still scares the pants off me. I showed it to my wife, and she was totally freaked out. <laughs> usually, when so, I show people Doctor Who, I usually show them that episode first. Yeah, and the Doctor's barely in that one, so he's it's actually a similar experience at our house because I was starting to watch the Matt Smith season, uh, and my wife had not been watching, but. My sister was over one night, and she was watching it, so we said, will you indulge us and let us watch Doctor Who? And it was uh, the time of angels, and she sat and was just going to sort of be in the room with us while I watched it, but she was hooked by it right then. So so it's interesting that, that those villains, plus this one had the, she also liked River Song quite a lot. So those things in combination, I think it speaks to the strength of how they really have designed this season to be a jumping on point, that here's a, an episode that arguably has sort of two different prerequisites, but nobody in our house had seen them and we all loved it right away you know so that's really cool i i really liked hearing y'all's thoughts on that um go ahead scott i like i mean chris (laughs) i like being i like being in the dark sometimes on stuff like that and stories like especially doctor who stuff where it jumps through time and dimensions and all that so you know i don't mind not no you know not knowing until i see it later you know what's going on or or even just knowing more about not knowing what's going on because i you know i love the whole thing that she's in prison you know over something terrible she did i mean it's hinted that she probably killed the doc killed the doctor or, or had something to do with his death or at least that's how the cryptic yeah, think- dialogue that is, is led is leading you to believe but that could be a trap too yeah. What do you think, I, I just so, just so you guys know, when you watch the previous River Song episodes, you won't have any better understanding of her relationship That's right. whatsoever. That's right. But I, <laughs> I like that. Just as much as those were two incredible episodes too. It makes her character way more interesting than if we knew everything about her. You know. Yeah. And yeah. Hopefully, hopefully she'll stay mysterious for and, a good long time. And you feel like there is going to be some consistent answers at the end of it. It's not like some shows where. You know, like the X Files got to be you know, the end of its run, where it just threw stuff out there to sound mysterious, and there was no real no, yeah, back it up. You know? Or, or not like the end of Battlestar Galactica, <clears throat> where oh, we're gonna leave, you know, whatever you think, because it's a mystery. Well, you feel yeah. like it's mysterious and legitimately so that some clues are out there, and they're all gonna fit together. I think, and especially I feel that way after the way this season played out. Just they had a plan from the get-go, and you see it in Flesh and Stone with that scene with the. The jacketless doctor versus the jacketed doctor. Um, that was awesome. Oh, can I say something about that? I didn't that? notice after two viewings until one of my friends online said, "Did you notice?" Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's a continuity goof. Oh no, no, no! I no, mean, people bitched about that for weeks. It, it, I didn't. I didn't catch it either until I read about it. Yeah. 
See, I, I, I heard it on about it on another podcast, so. This this show doesn't do anything, you know, halfway or, or just left a chance. It's well, I think well, they, 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 they've, they've said they've said that next season we do find out what's yeah, going on. You know about River and everything cha- that's when everything changes. She said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, so I can't wait. And yeah, and 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 I and I thought that they probably obviously the actress might be in the know as to, because you know she she seemed to be reacting with genuine emotions to certain things you know you could see him say something and she'd say something and you'd see her reaction had you know a strong emotion tied to it but it was you know it was a little enigmatic as to what exactly if it was sadness or or whatever but it was intense so the the actress has something to chew on on it cuz she was definitely you know giving a lot of hints just through well, you know, the way she reacted to certain things. She has said in, in interviews that uh, when she was on in the first episode back in the third season, she thought, well, River Song must be the doctor's wife or the doctor's lover or whatever. But this time, she said, as she read the script for The Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone, she's thinking, oh, well, River Song's the doctor's mother. You know, so, so I don't think she does have the answer yet. Uh, I think, oh. uh, I think, and Moffat created her character, something. right? I mean, so yes, Moffat created her character. He's keeping it close to the vest for now, I think, even from Alex Kingston, which is kind of cool because it, you know. You certainly get the sense. For Lost. She does play it very well that you get the sense, like you said, that she knows, but that's just acting. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exactly. Hope, exactly. Do you want to give your thoughts on the episode or what? Uh, sure. Um, not so much Flesh and Stone. I didn't like it quite as much as Time of Angels. I mean, I still loved it, but... Um, Time of Angels was my favorite episode until the finale. Like, like, like I said earlier, Blink was the second episode of Doctor Who I've ever seen. So I was so excited for the Weeping Angels. Like, I was just when I heard, when I saw the trailer for the first time, I was like quivering in, in anticipation. I was so excited. Like even now, I just get so happy when I think about them because they're just so God, they're scary. Yeah. <laughs> like. They have cardboard life-size cutouts of weeping angels, and think anybody would be out of their brain if you want, because I would just stare at it all day, <laughs> <laughs> or it would kill me. Um, I just, I don't know, I was so excited. I was happy to see River Song again. I, I adore her so much. It's very rare you see a, a companion who knows probably more than the Doctor, because Mike and uh, Chris, you guys probably don't know this, but that blue book she carries is the Doctor's Diary. Right, I, I, I sort of got that. It's the yeah. Doctor's Diary? It's the Doctor's yes. Diary. I thought she said it was her diary. No, it's even, the Doctor's Even diary. in the silence of the library, I thought she said it was... Oh, so it has to become his diary at some point then, right? Yeah, he writes it's it. It's not now. <laughs> eventually, she somehow gets it, so it's the whole... Ah. Thing. But there's just something me. really awesome about her, about... You know, her having that little whip and chain on the doctor and probably yeah. knowing more than him. Pretty boy, sweetie. <laughs> Just, I love everything. And the fact that the church is now militant. That is kind of yes. I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Bishops or whatever they it were called. It reminded me I of just... Judge Dredd comics, sort of, in a way. Where, like, the police, the 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 you know the church and the military all just sort of were glopped together and the judiciary 
Yeah, I liked it. I, I, yeah, they were all monks and bishops. I like that aspect a lot. <laughs> the two scenes uh, that stood out to me the most from both episodes is the first one is in um, Time of Angels, is when they realize, oh shit, we're completely surrounded. When they realize that all the statues don't have two heads. Yeah. yeah. And, and they just realize they're surrounded. That's That moment is just, you could feel their dread. And that that entire that section is beautiful. is literally out of a nightmare I had when I was a kid after seeing Alien. Like, a year after seeing the movie Alien, I had a nightmare where I was watching. I was, you know, it was one of those dreams where you're half watching it, half living it. But I was watching living the sequel to Alien, and it was all underground in a cave. And they get into this one big open chamber in the cave, and the guy holds his torch up, and you see the line, the walls are just lined with aliens. But, you know, all the people that are there have no idea what they look like, you know? So they just are like, oh, look at the weird, you know, formations on this wall. And I'm sitting there going, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> Game guys, over, man. Yeah, you guys, don't, you guys don't know how much we're screwed. And that, that totally, that part just brought me right back to that nightmare which is a good way to get me into a scary episode of a tv show and then there's actually three parts that stood out to me the second one is the fact when angel bob was just talking to the doctor how the only reason they're doing anything to the doctor was just to do it for fun yeah. And I love bad guys who are dicks just to be dicks. Yeah. It's like just Iago in Othello. Because they're just being douchebags just for the hell of it. And it gave them so much character. Somebody's gotta be bad. I mean, they're not just statues anymore. They actually have personalities and they're fucking with yeah. just a fun episode. Yeah. And the third part that asked me was that actually the whole, like, coat no coat scene where. The doctor was telling Amy, like, you're going to have to start to trust me. And she says, you haven't given me any reason to, which is so true. Because mm -hmm. every episode up to this point, he puts Amy in a situation. And then if she fails, he yells at her. And he hasn't ever put her in a situation up to this point for her to really prove herself really well. Because Bullshit, though. She, See, she handled herself completely in the second episode. She, but, not, but even then, he got upset with her, like, he seems he hasn't really given her a reason to trust him. Oh, he dressed her down that, that, big time. See that that, bo one. that bothered the shit out of me because they, they the, that scene implied that there's problems between them, but by the second episode and definitely by the third, they were a, they were a, a unit. They were working together in sync. They had it down, and that scene just see, I, it, I, I disagree because there are still parts in uh, in Victory of the Daleks where he's just yelling at her because he's like, "Why aren't you doing this right?" She's like, "Well, I don't really know how to do it." <laughs> He just assumes that she knows how to do shit, and when she doesn't know how to do stuff, he gets upset with her. <laughs> what she actually said was, you don't always tell me the whole truth. And he said, of course I don't, otherwise you wouldn't need to trust me or something. I, I guess I just didn't read it the way you read it. That's interesting. I... Maybe I'm just a girl. I was just going to say, we're getting, the, we're, getting, get we're getting the girl's perspective on the girl's character. When I see yeah. men yelling at girls, it doesn't jive well with me. And he well, yells at he, her all in the early part of the season. He's constantly yelling at Amy. And not I, I, can, constantly. I can see where you're coming from. He shouldn't be... Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of... It's almost like they're trying to emulate a Colin Baker or William Hartnell where they're always angry and cantankerous, and unfortunately Amy's the only one around for him to yell at that's consistent, you know? 
So anyway, I'll let you finish, I, and then I'll, I'll completely tell you why you're all wrong. You really didn't like. I was having trouble liking Matt Smith because he was constantly yelling at Andy. It just it really upset me a lot. Um, because I'm so used to seeing him with Martha, Donna, and Rose, where he only really yelled at them if they actually really do fuck up. <laughs> but, like, Amy hadn't really done anything to make, I guess, to warrant that from me. And so, just to me, it made the Doctor seem really angry a lot. So, it was actually around the first time where I actually started really liking Matt Smith more. I was on the fence with him up until this episode, and then everything after this, I actually really liked him. I got, I got the feeling that he took Amy as sort of a special case so he was being a little hard on her because I think he had like super high expectations for her. I mean all through this whole whole season it's you know basically you know it's uh, it, there's almost every episode there's some little hint that you know the entire universe somehow revolves around Amy and her life and I mean he even says it you in know, the finale like Amy Pond with the entire universe pouring out of her right. wall how can I refuse you know I'm sitting here formulating a theory as I'm listening because I hadn't really noticed him yelling at Amy as much um, and, and now that it, you say it I, you know, I'm going to go back and watch for it I wonder if it was sort of a um, a schoolmaster yeah kind like of thing I was thinking like basic training he's, he's, yeah exactly he's training her he's training her to save the universe and and he's you know he's a harsh teacher, maybe that's kind of something that you know if we go back and watch the episodes we'll see is that's exactly what, maybe what he's doing is he's training her to save the universe. Well, also and in this a- angels one we get a sort of hint that the doctor might not you know that you know he this I, wasn't it in this one that he pulls the um yeah that can he we pulls talk about that? The, yes we can well he pulls the piece of the TARDIS out and so you're thinking no that's 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 no, later that's later cold blood. no that's, no that's, that's cold blood oh yeah. oh, oh, oh you're right they steal it with the angels <laughs> of they course I it. am Jesus so. <laughs> God but Chris. you know I, I was thinking maybe he was trying to you know thinking that she might be his successor that you know he might you know he might not be make he might not make it much longer so he, i i got a sort of sense of like he was putting her on like the fast track you know uh, so he was trying to cram as you know as much you know she wasn't just a companion there along the way to help out he was really giving her a crash course in what he did and how he approach approaches it looks at it yeah, I think anytime well, I, I watch episodes from this season again, I'm going to watch for that to see if there is kind of that schoolmaster, you know, harsh, tough love kind of thing. He, he real, I mean, he really in the in the Beast Below, he really dresses her. I mean, he does the. I remember angry, that. He does the angry parent thing where it's just like just almost turning away in disgust, where it's just like, you know, I had really high expectations for you, and I don't know what, I don't know what to think after this point, and you know, doing that, but as a as a method of yeah that that scene I do remember and um, but but by the end of that episode I thought they had pretty much reconciled oh yeah oh they, should, and, they and, did. and so I oh, guess yeah, I had, during that entire scene I was just watching going what did she even do wrong well, why are you even screaming I, at her that's why I appreciate you bringing it up because I think that may be a uh, a function of me being male not not having the same impact on me and I, so I don't want to back away too quickly from what you said by saying well maybe he's just being a tough schoolmaster because I'm not sure that's I'm not sure that makes it any better <laughs> you know right lots yeah of, lots of abuse has been done in the name of teaching a lesson so um, oh yeah I'm not I'm not trying to defend it or say it's okay I was just trying to see 
because I mean I think Moffat is intelligent enough and in tune enough with male and female issues that I, I, I think so too. Generally, he would do that intentionally, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now. I just. I, was, I just. Oh, go ahead, Chad. No, you go ahead because I'm. I gotta. I was gonna go ahead and then I'll talk. I always just think of like even though it's a different personality of the Doctor, they're still the same person. And so I still considered this being the same man as Tenet, being the same man as Eggleston. And, and like I said, I'm only new who here. But I don't, like, Eggleston or Tenet would have never done that to Amy, I don't think. Like, like had gotten that angry at her. Because they never got that angry with Rose or Donna or Martha. Unless they really fucked up. You know what? I'll the, also the, say the, this. The sixth Dr. Colin Baker would, though. And, in fact, did. He used to yell at Perry all the effing time. I... I would say this. I think the Doctor might have been a little more emotional in this because the Star Whale was a last of its kind like him. So, so he, he so killed he was... the fucking Magnus. He genocide all the time. Fuck the Star Whale. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. I mean, the Doctor wait. is a big hypocrite. He will bitch out a human for committing genocide when he turns around and kills all the Ragnos and commits genocide himself. What makes him any better? Alright, as, yeah. as, as much as I wish we could end the episode on fuck the space whale... That's uh, what I was saying. I, I was like, what a but, way to go... That would be a great way to go out of... <laughs> but, I, but I haven't told you how all of you are wrong about Time of Angels and Flesh of Stone yet. Oh, shit. Oh. Um... <laughs> They're not that great of episodes. Uh, in fact, I would rate them towards the bottom of the season. Um, they were okay. I mean, there were certainly moments that were brilliant. The fact that an angel can exist on videotape or recording, and it, it, that is the angel, that's brilliant. That's an awesome addition to the angel mythology. Um, and it I really, was really like, cool seeing the angel in Amy's eyes. That was just a really cool... I yes. love the part where Go the on. angel came out of the well and then out of the TV. Yeah. Oh, wait. That was... That was... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Um, I, I was thinking the same thing too. I was like, I'm not seeing the I was with you <laughs> until I, I until I thought about days. what you said. Wait, it did come out of a TV. What I'm, I'm, I'm missing some reference, I guess. Yeah, it's a, you it's, said it came out of the veil. Out of, out of the out of the well. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, 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 I like how I like how they came out of the whale. They the first they fucked the whale and then they came out of it. No, in the in the movie the what was it the ring? It, there's yeah. a oh, there's a sorry, ghost that I, comes out of a TV uh, and. You watch a video of a well, and the ghost comes up out of the well. But it does the same thing as the angel. You know, you look over, and it's a little bit closer every time. And a little bit closer. Well, um, for me, these two episodes, it was too much. Um, The angels were incredibly brilliant in Blink. And to some extent, I wish they just left it alone, because it was so perfect. You know, you fuck with perfection, and you make sequels, and things don't turn out as well. And in these two episodes, I just felt like it... Uh, they added that cool mythology, but it, it didn't have a lot of wow factor for me. Um, you know, when they're in the cave and turns out all the statues are angels, it, to me that's like a no shit moment. Like, oh really? You think? You know, there wasn't anything shocking about that to me. The doctor with the gun that they they the hyped all season leading up to that. You know, that he fires a gun. It was just kind of and as a cliffhanger, it was just didn't do anything for me. I didn't me. know uh, anything. About, I didn't know there was any hoopla about that. I that, uh, that went, every commercial that went ended right with by, him with a gun. Right by me, you know. Yeah, and with Graham Norton dancing across the street. Oh I yeah, heard about right, that. Right. Yeah. yeah, that was a big deal. <laughs> um, the uh, I I really like the concept of River Song. I absolutely despise that actress. Really, with, with every fiber of my being, um, I can't stand her. Why so, such a strong reaction, do you think? I 
I think it's from her years on ER. I'm not sure, but uh, I just I, a decade or more. Come on. I I'll, I hate I'll hold grudges like that. I can I can I can feel that man. I can if, if there's I some like if there's somebody who's like unappealing to me, I can hold a grudge from them on further roles for years and years. Yes, as strong as I try to let it go. As strong as I try to let it go, I can't. I I, I can't, I, I can't stand Leonardo I, DiCaprio. You're I'm a fan. Fucking Oscar, and he makes me cry. Not a Stallone I, fan either. I I, I heard. <laughs> That's no. for another day, though. Um, so I have a hard time with River Song. I want to like the character, but I can't fucking stand that uh, actress. Um, and 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 maybe some of it just comes from the fact that this is the first episode they filmed, so maybe everyone just wasn't clicking like they should have since it was the first one. I don't know. Um. It just it, the episodes don't work all that much for me, uh, so the and the, and the the whole thing that fucking ruined it all and I'll never forgive for the whole season is we saw an angel turn its head. <gasps> that, that was the creepiest thing. It was fucking stupid and shouldn't have happened. <laughs> you like the dichotomy there? Yeah. <laughs> it, you're not <laughs> supposed to fucking see them move. And they showed it to us, and that made me mad. I'm like, it no, was denying our don't existence. Show it. It's, don't show it. It was an angel moving in the woods, and and see, what were we doing there to even see it? You're not supposed yeah, to see it. Like beyond the fourth the wall. Like, <laughs> I, I like because it was the fact that Amy's eyes was because we're so used to seeing them with all the characters open. So it's like what happens when you can't see them. So I kind of. I, that's where the like fear the... comes from. Right. Is that's, not that's where the horror comes from, is I not seeing it. I think you make a pretty it. good point there, actually, yeah. Which one of us? Shaq. I, I had not thought of it that way. But... Good answer. Because I thought it was creepy, too. But it, didn't bother, <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't bother me. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I could see that being where, seen as a step. Wear disposable underwear when you watch Blink, and you'll figure out why <laughs> the, the, the not showing okay. it works so well. Okay. It's just, ugh. All right, so. so I'm downloading Blink and I'm going to Rite Aid and get myself some Depends. Yes. Once we get, get off back the air here. <laughs> and on that note, after Captain Buzz Fuck the kills, space whale. <laughs> Fuck the space <laughs> whale. Yeah, okay. No, I actually like the space whale. I just hate the fact when the doctor yells at people about committing genocide when he does it. All the time. Yeah. That's what oh. everybody who commits genocide does. <laughs> Right, they, they take it on their high horse. <laughs> <laughs> Silent Sparrow, I wrote you a letter to make you feel better about the fact that I'm gone. I may be stuck in the past, but my future is vast. Don't go looking for me, girl, you've got to go on. Don't think he's talking to you, he's just on the TV. Well, look past the Easter egg and see the reality. A world of time and space inside a funny blue box. The angels are approaching and the front door is locked. So don't blink. I said don't blink. Just look directly at them and they'll stay where they are. I think they're crying anyway, they can't be no harm. The 
doctor isn't here this time, this won't be a breeze. He's stuck in 1969 on your DVDs. Just listen very carefully to what he's got to say. Do not turn your back on him and don't look away. Cause if they get inside the TARDIS, then the sun will go out. Just go down to the cellar and show them what you're about. They move faster than you could ever believe. Don't let the light go out and don't be naive. Just don't blink. I said don't blink. Just look directly at them and I'll stay where they are. I think they're crying anyway, they can't mean no harm. My eyes are watering, I'm right on the brink. I'm sure nothing would happen if I were to... All right, we're back with part two of the big Doctor Who show, and um, we've got a new uh, new addition to this segment. Uh, Mr. Jose Rivera has joined us. Hi. Hi. And um, um, why don't you just give us in a nutshell your uh, your uh, Doctor Who origin story? I was curious about it because it was always on PBS, but my first experience was the 1995-96 Fox movie, The Paul McGann. I loved it. Nothing ever came out of it. So I started watching Red Dwarf over the years, and I saw they had a special Red Dwarf A to Z. And they got to D, and it was Dalek. And I kind of knew what a Dalek was, but I wasn't really sure. So I looked it up online, and I found a clip from the Eccleston episode Dalek where he first meets a Dalek. That's a lot to say. I got hooked after that. So after that, I started looking up every episode I could of the new series. And every episode, they each got better and better as they went on. And I think once the second season had finished, I was hooked. I was watching that, I was watching Torchwood, and I was catching up as fast as I could. See, I'm so I'm so ignorant on all of it. I only found out about Torchwood a little while ago. I only found and and I'd heard of it. I'd heard and seen like you know, people talking about it. I had no idea it was a spin off show of Doctor Who. Much less like kind of a serious drama spin off, which also, also an anagram of Doctor Who, by the way. Oh, yep. really? Oh. Yeah. That's what they would call the uh, Doctor Who episodes when they were trying to ship them and didn't want people stealing it. It's the Blue Harvest of Doctor oh, Who. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Basically. yeah. And it was my first experience downloading a show because I had to get it in 2006. If not, I would have to wait two years later when it finally came to BBC America. Or spend a hundred effing dollars on the box set, which is oh really my god, god it's ridiculous. Well, it's really. So, it's really funny. You guys just reminded me. There's this. Um, I used to have a public access show here in Rochester, and uh, there was this other guy who I'd been watching for years before I gotten involved in it, um, who did a science fiction show, and he would basically go to conventions, film himself at conventions, and he would talk about them and talk about his comics and his books, and then he would show a public domain horror science fiction movie, you know, that he had. Well. I guess there was some point, and I don't know which Doctor Who's it were, it, it were, it was, 
but they weren't <laughs> showing them here. They were sh that there was no place showing them on TV, yet they were available over the internet as a download. So he just got them, and he was running them on public access very regularly. So you could watch all the Doctor Who's if you didn't if you didn't want to download them. You could watch them on TV, and people thought it was just and the and the public access station turned a blind eye because they never had more people paying attention to them than when they were running <laughs> Doctor Who. It's just like PBS, you know, Doctor Who, Masterpiece Theater. Pff, screw Masterpiece Theater. What the fuck does Masterpiece Theater ever do anything? Doctor Who fans were whole, you know, when Doctor Who came on, they were just like, hi, everybody. <laughs> we know you'll give us money because if you don't give us money, Doctor Who's not coming back. And it would just like... Oh, the, Start the accursed pledge breaks. Yeah, and oh, and, and Doctor Who was plagued with him because it was very popular. Well, I thought it was very ballsy of that guy. I always was very proud of him. That and and he was a very seemingly conservative, not like politically, but just like a sort of shy sort of guy. And I remember him just going, "Screw that! If they're not going to show it on TV, people need to see this." You know. People want to mm. see this. I ain't making money on it. Let them come after me. Nobody said anything yet. I'll, you know, what are they going to do? And I'm like, I, I like you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to download them because they would edit them horribly when they got here. They were shorter. They would cut out, like, key scenes just for time. Uh -huh. I would have to edit them just as he went on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, if it wasn't plot, it wasn't in there. I, I just, I rewatched the uh, finale when they replayed it on Doctor Who. Like, I watched it the first time, so it's not cut, but I rewatched the replay of it, and it was bad because there's all these, like, key scenes where it just gave the characters so much depth, and it's just, it's tough because you know it's, it's like watching the extended version of Lord of the Rings and then going back and watching the unextended ones, and you just know that you're missing so much yeah 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 10 minute yeah, chunks I, here and there or something yeah i i watch him with my friend tor um <laughs> about about three hours after they air in england so i love that guy he is a good friend to me um with same Dr. here so whenever i hear tor i just picture tor johnson you know from uh oh what was that terrible movie that ed wood made Ah, never mind which that one? Ter that terrible movie, that singular terrible. Well, movie. yeah, it's it's Plan Nine from Outer Space. That's it. Okay. Often yeah. considered one of the worst movies ever made, but Tor Johnson was in that. Played the the police chief. But that's what I was. If it thinking. makes you feel better, the first thing I thought of was Tron, and I knew I was really wrong on that one. Oof. So, I know. So. I do not speak ill of Tron. Yes. I'm... Oh, no, no, no. I was just thinking Tor and Tron, and I realized it oh. wasn't the same thing. Okay. I was going to say, this is not a safe place to, to speak ill of Tron. <laughs> no, I am so ready for the Tron movie in December. I don't even know. Yeah. Oh, oh my God. We're, we're all there. I'm. My dream is uh, that's when I'm down in Florida that I get to go to the premiere of that with Scott. That would be a riot. That would be yeah. a, a lot He'd of fun. He'd be the one to see that with. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's he and I are both looking forward to that about the same at the same level of excitement. So that would be a really fun night at the movies. But anyway, I'm gonna we drag talk us about back Doctor. to Doctor Who, and uh, so so this part we're gonna cover Vampires of Venice, uh, Amy's Choice, The Hungry Earth, and Cold Blood. So. Um, 
I'll start out with Mike. What did what did you think of Vampires of Venice? Uh, Vampires of Venice. Um, that was probably not one of my favorite episodes. I didn't much care for the. Uh, um, wait, uh, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. There's this crack over here. It's distracting me. I'm gonna go check out and see what see what this is. I'll be back. So anyway, yeah, let's start with the new guy. What what did you think of uh, Vampires of Venice? Everybody seems to hate it, but I kind of like certain parts of it. I mean, everybody was expecting vampires. Mm -hmm. I think once once we got to the twist where we saw the, I'm not sure like, how much to spoil when we saw the reveal of what oh. they really were. Full spoiler. Oh like, yeah, we're spoiling it all, man. Go for it. All right, then Spoiler. it was the fish people. Spoilers. It was fish people. You know what? They were actually pretty good CGI graphics for fish people, and it was a good plan. It kind of felt like a tenth Doctor episode, but said it wasn't. It wasn't bad. There were certainly worse episodes during the season. It was. It was just a fun side episode that it, it added a little bit more that we got to see more of how Rory kind of sees what the Doctor is. Yes. Well, this was this was the episode where Rory is introduced as a full, you know, member of. Not as a full member of the cast, but as a, a as a co sidekick to the Doctor, and he starts to really. He's a companion. Yeah, he starts to become right. a, a more integral character in it. So this is a good one for him to start out with because it's just a good. It's a it's a, you know, it's a rescue people from the monsters. You know, episode basically. Well, I'm glad we've established right out of the gate that the new guy Jose um, is wrong. So, uh, as far as there being worse episodes, by the way, you can you can join the club with me and Hope. The wrong club. Go on, Scott. There's worse. It's it's not Scott. My my name is Shag. What the fuck is wrong with you? Anyway, um. Shut up, Scott. Go back to Orlando. Uh. But they're not being worse episodes of the season. I mean, there, there was worse episodes of the season. This was the worst episode of the season. What was worse? Uh, Victory of the Daleks. Yeah, Victory of the Daleks, and we'll get up to the two-parter that's coming up. Oh. <laughs> Man. Heresy. Okay. You were You were blathering or something about the episode. Go ahead. Finish up. He's drunk. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Scott. Um, <laughs> yeah! Fine. Fine. Fuck y'all. My name is Scott. All right? There. Fine. That's pretty much it. I mean, it's an episode where you can't really say anything totally great and totally bad. It, it is what it is. It's it's just a regular, normal Doctor Who episode. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just it. It's it is what it is. What What do you think, Hope? You haven't uh, gotten a dog in in this fight yet. Um, for me, it was kind of like the Beast Below. It was kind of one of those episodes that were in the middle. Um. It, it was a necessary episode to bring in Rory, which that opening sequence where the doctor pops out of the cake was just brilliant. Yeah. He just totally ruins his stag party because he's like, oh, by the way, your fiance kissed me Tried and hit kiss on me, me yeah. so let's go on an adventure together. And and so um, it kind of set up, of course, a lot of gags like the gondola driver, or are they called drivers? I guess. Um, like wearing the stag shirt. I think they're called but, punters. <laughs> Which is funny in a lot of ways, but we'll call them a gaggle of gondolas. So the gaggler <laughs> of the gondolas, or whatever—I can't even talk now. The gorgonzolas um, of the Ganges. Gorgonzolas. 
But um, it, I, I have to agree with Jose. It was just kind of a run-of-the-mill episode. It, like, there's parts I really liked, um, like bringing in Rory and having him kind of be like the outside new person because Amy just adjusted so quickly and just kind of hopped on board the doctor. It's, it's nice to see someone who's just really... Don't you guys Freaked see out. a problem with all this? Yeah. Um, and I, I was a little shocked that they brought in um, the the gondola driver. He was a guest star. I don't know what his name is, but I know he's a big star over in England. And so I was a little surprised for them to see them kill a guest star because they usually don't really do that a lot in Doctor Who. So it was a kind of a different change of pace. But I, I liked it and disliked it at the same time. Um, I liked it a little bit more than Beast Below, but I just like historical episodes. I, I'm a big history buff, so I just I like when they go into the past more than when they go into the future. I was perfectly happy with this episode until he was up on the bell tower, and that was a little mm. that was a little too just sort of like dramatic, you know. Easy. Yeah, yeah, push the drama and you know, whoa type, you know. So that that was the only part that really lost me with it. I, it, it wasn't. Yeah, I. I I just I don't have any really strong feelings about it. The, I thought the beginning, I thought the beginning set it up stronger than it than it played out. But I wasn't unhappy with how it played out. I'm sort of glad it wasn't vampires because there's certainly a lot of vampires around anyway. So yeah. I don't really yeah. you know I'd I'd rather have some sort of spawning fish creatures instead of. And, and and it just was a weird what a weird ending with the mother getting consumed by her male children that was a little yeah I don't want to say that's where it kind of it's not exactly Oedipal I don't know what it is <laughs> that's where it came up to me like a 10 episode like a 10th Doctor episode especially when they were going back to you know we're the last of our species and we got so much of that with the previous episodes yeah so I mean yeah. I mean if you, if you were to take Rory out of it you can just pretty much insert any previous doctor into this episode. Uh -huh. That's kind of what my biggest problem is with it. I uh, I will say a few positive things about the episode. Um, the humor in this episode was really good. I mean, the humor, you mentioned it earlier with the cake, the humor was dead on. When the punter was wearing Rory's shirt, I almost fell over laughing so hard. Um, but overall, I fell asleep. This is the only episode during the season I fell asleep during. Um, it just... It, and there's a whole history with the with the Time Lords and vampires from the original series that actually, I guess maybe that put me off just from the start, was like, vampires? Really? Because, I mean, there's a huge history of a war between the Time Lords and the vampires that when they were going to address that, I, I, I was expecting that, and then you get uh -huh. fish people, it's kind of like, you know, I was kind of actually relieved it was fish people because they were ignoring the whole war between the, with, between the Time Lords and the vampires. Um, anyway, I... Like you guys said, it was it was practically for, forgettable. It's kind of what it boils down to. But I will give him credit for the humor, and I will give him credit for Rory being the the voice of of reason through a lot of it. And it falls right in the middle of the the season too, which is a good place for like one that might not be the most exciting episode ever. The only thing I didn't really like about the ending was um, it just seemed too easy. Um, and it was a short episode, like, um, compared to a lot of the other episodes, it was really short. And so I feel like they, they had a few extra minutes they could have, like, you know, ex I guess explained it better, or, like, it just was like, oh, you pull these things, and we're just gonna fuck that up, and we're saved! I mean, yeah. it just, 
it was almost too easy. And when it comes to Doctor Who, I, I feel like it should be a little bit more complex and pull a few chords, and then the world is okay again. And then just shove the fish mom in the water. <laughs> fish mom, yeah. I like that. And I would Into the water, like her, fish mom. kids, I'm sh- like, recognize her, because it's not like they haven't seen her every day. They were just really hungry. I, yeah, I, I, I took, I took I, it they were in a frenzy. Yeah, they were just going to eat whatever got thrown in there. I mean, I understood, like, her being in the white. Like, they recognized eat white because all the maidens had white. But, I mean, I, I almost felt like they would be able to sense or something. If they're this advanced alien race who can build huge clock towers that can make the sky fall, you would think that they can recognize their mom. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, technically, she wasn't really wearing white. That was just a projection. She, uh, I mean, yeah. they would have probably seen her as what she really was. Because the the son could, the son knew what she looked like. Yeah. yeah. I thought so I, I just... liked the son's character too. He was a good, just sort yeah. of uh, evil, spoiled little prince. Cannot even remember the character. He was. I... He, he was the <laughs> Edward Coffin of vampires. Yeah. Oh no, I know the guy was in the show, but I cannot remember the first. Thing. That's how much, how le- little of an impression this episode make. I cannot even remember that guy. He was other all than like gothy and pouty, and there was a little bit of humor at his expense, or just he was just generally ineffectual. And he had a girl's name, I think, or something like very effeminate name. Yeah. I can't remember his name now. Hmm. So, uh, did you guys hear the big controversy about the name change on this episode? No. No. It went from being the Vampires of Venice to Vampires of Venice, and it caused this huge uproar over the word the. It all depends on the word, what the word the means. What do you mean by the word the? Uh Uh-oh. Is that a fire drill? they found me. I'm sorry, that was me. I live near a fire station. Oh, uh, I was going to say, I thought Hope's uh, dorm room was having a fire drill or something. I was going to say, how exciting. And I would actually have to leave because if we don't leave during fire drills, they find us. Well, I would, I would, make, you, I would make you leave your microphone yeah. on so we could, hear, we could hear them, like, rustling through your room. Now, you would hear me I... bitching and swearing because I hate when they fucking do it. They're ridiculous. And it's raining like hell. I'll go outside. Well, yeah. It's, I, it's... I, I thought it was uh, the BBC coming down on us for bringing up the <laughs> controversy over the word the. <laughs> exactly. They're like, that's <laughs> not to be spoken of. I, I don't get the controversy. What's, I don't either. I don't I don't know, but uh, there's another podcast called Radio Free Scaro, and they went on for it for like a long time. But they were pretty much having the same reaction. Like, really, people were getting upset over the word the. Okay, I just have to say right now, the, the name Radio Free Scaro is fucking brilliant. That is awesome. What a cool name they're for a podcast. Impressive. They're more apathetic and asshole-ish than you are, Scott. <laughs> Fuck! That was God. a well-placed verbal comma, Hope, I just want to mention. You hit me like two or three times there. Damn! Like, like really, they are mean, and they are cruel, and they, uh, they I'm are so proud of our new Demanza Corp employee. Like, they know, like, executive producers of, like, shows and, like, tiny little, like, details, so they could probably run you into the ground. Yes. Oh, yeah, I, I don't know any of the behind-the-scenes shit. Like, people, I, I go to, like, Dragon Con, and, and they spend the Doctor Who panels talking about how... Are you going to be at Dragon Con this year? I heard, it, I heard something about rumors about that. Are you, are you Scott? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, I'm Scott now. Yeah, I am going to be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'll there. I'll see you there. Hell yeah, come punch me in the stomach. Then I'll know it's I you. Will. I know, and I know Mike Bailey's going to be there too. Me and Mike Bailey are going to get together and record, so you should come join us. 
Absolutely. I I I I think I've heard of that guy. So. We're representing two true freaks this year. Yes, they are. We're the only ones. Buy me shit. It's Aaron? my birthday, damn it. Okay. Dragon Cow. Hey, can I represent? Can, I'm not yes. a I'm not a Demonzo Core employee, but can I represent two true freaks while I'm there too? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, why not? Fuck you. Why not? We'll send you. We'll, we'll send you all the you know requirements and limitations and you know things that you have to say. Oh, like, good luck. I'm not. I'm not signing the Demonzo Core contract. I've heard about some of those clauses. I'm not doing that. Whenever, like, whenever you say my name, you have to say "Peace be unto him." <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Am I fired? No, you're a, you're you're a woman. You're of the higher caste. You don't have to say That's that. That's right. Oh, we decided that Jose, because I'm a girl, I'm higher on the food chain because I'm a girl and a nerd. No, all all two true freaks employees. We're like the reverse Taliban. You have to. All the men are dressed in it, are completely covered from head to toe, so the women do not to not react with total lust and and abandon <laughs> that. unless they're hot and then they better be making out or I'm just gonna sad panda no especially if they're hot especially you know like Scott and I have to be covered with triple quadruple layers just so that do I get a harem <laughs> yes you, you guys do sure the wisest analogy the what so you guys sure that's the wisest analogy? <laughs> no, I know. Well, yeah, we was, there's probably well, once this podcast gets on the air, the word Taliban's going to trigger some government computer, and then two true freaks will be on the watch list from then on. Yeah, just, Scott's going to just don't put it. Just ass. don't put it in the show notes, okay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can always edit that out. <laughs> I'll just reverse it or something, or I'll 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 dub in saying Faliban or something like that. Right, right. Just put in like a woo 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 sound. Yeah, sure, just like a rap song. Anyway. As long as it sounds like a Dalek, so, it's good, so it's the Daleks, not us. So, The Vampires of Venice, which is so bad, is followed by Amy's Choice, which is so Insanely good. Insanely good. So good. Yes. Oh my god, we all agreed. Did the world <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I should take an opposing opinion then. Hmm. Now, it's still good. Okay, yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's incredibly well written. Yeah. Can I say something about this episode and something actually about this entire no. season? No. Anyway, um, it's almost it feels a lot like old Who, like the little bit of old Who I've seen, because everything's on a small scale almost. Like he's going to was, small towns. He's not going to if London. If it was the Russell and... T. Davis era, like. London would already be taken over or blown up or something because like they're yes. always in major cities so it almost feels like so small scale and it almost feels like old who because of that and this yeah, episode just kind of really proved that that's, that's a good that's a good observation it's, it's that claustrophobic uh, closed door mystery kind of thing where um, the old who was famous for that because they were on a shoestring budget back then yeah the set would be like three rooms and five characters and you couldn't leave and the monsters were just things that looked ordinary. You know, that's kind of where the show really would it would excel would be all those things because it's the story. A lot of people got possessed in old who or were possessed of somebody or. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it's 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 kind of like in Star Trek Four when uh, they said you know what what better way to make the best spaceship than make it invisible? You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's perfect. You know, it's in uh, they said that actually anyway. Um, so yeah, a good observation. Absolutely, it's, because it's uh, you see it again in Cold Blood and um, the other in the Hungry Earth. Because only like what, like four people know about this alien invasion that's coming. Mm-hmm. 
those those are the best. I mean, this guy um, Moffat really reminds me a lot of Philip Hincliffe, which was the uh, executive producer or, or producer, whichever, uh, during the, some of the Tom Baker years. Mm-hmm. So like Horror Fang Rock, Pyramids of Mars, you know, all the really good Gothic episodes that were usually that I kind of cluster Mars. Oh, so good, and, and the ones that had that kind of claustrophobic feeling. Um, actually, one of, one of uh, the true, two True Freaks listeners, uh, Luke, is watching Horror Fang Rock right now, and he's been sending me like updates when he watches an episode, how much he loves it. And it's uh, th- this guy, Stephen Moffat, has kind of that same sensibility that Philip Hinckley had of creating that horror, the gothic feeling, and, and he's done an excellent job, and this is a good example of it. Yeah, I agree. I, I love that sm- the small, the, it's the village of the damned you know sort of feel to it you know just a small English I mean that's I mean that's um, Stephen King's bread and butter too you know I mean small towns are just way scarier than was anyone cities. else thinking countryside from Torchwood yes I was waiting oh, for people I, to start eating people I didn't think about that but ooh good point ooh countryside was fucking scary oh yeah. my god that, that scares the hell out of me that's another one you watch at home in the dark I'm gonna have to watch Torchwood now. Um, it's it. some good, some good, some great, some not that's, good. That's what I've heard. I've everybody's warned me that there's going to be stuff that I hate about it. And if I know ahead of time, it does it does definitely help to soften the blow when when that stuff yeah, but comes. But season two is kind of hit and miss. Like it starts off well, and then it kind of trails in the middle and gets there at the end. I'm weird though. Like I not like. Sure about most shows, they usually have like the middle lull. I'm weird like though. Vampires I, of Venice. I'll like I'll yeah. like things about shows that other people don't like. So sometimes I'll, sometimes like where things get slow is where, sometimes I get more interested. So I'm I'm definitely intrigued enough, after hearing, because I've heard lots like I hear lots of moans and groans, but then there's also squeals of fear and delight. I actually like. I actually like season two. I thought season two started not good. I didn't like the stuff with uh, with James Marsters, but all the stuff in the middle about the the ghost and I won't say much more than that. Or the Walking Dead. I mean, all that. I loved that. So. I haven't seen season two. Oh, okay. I've seen season one and I saw Children of Earth, but I've not seen season two. But I know that people die and I know who dies, but I won't say Chil- because Chris hasn't seen it. Children of Earth. Oh, a funny Children? thing. Uh, I was just saying, can I say something uh, about like comparing Torchwood and Doctor Who that I would love to see? Okay. Go ahead. Ever see Doctor Who's quote unquote favorite show? Say again. I want to see a countryside episode and see the Doctor deal with it, because <laughs> what right would he have to go into town and tell people when they're wrong when they've been doing it for hundreds of years? Countryside, and, and you know, I don't want to say anything for spoiling it for Chris. Well, uh, don't worry about me. I'll be okay. No, it, no, it's. I'm not gonna do that to you. The enemy's no. not who you think it is. That's all I'll say. <laughs> but okay, I, I, would, I would love to see that because what right would the doctor have to go in and tell someone they're wrong when they've been doing it for hundreds of years? Yeah. About this episode, it's funny you bring up Stephen King because I looked at the Dream Lord and I thought he looked kind of familiar. He was in the mist. Ah. Oh. <laughs> He was the Let's dorky talk- little guy who was the the marksman that had the gun. Who I don't know why they had an expert marksman working in the supermarket, but he uh-huh, was the guy. Uh-huh. 
I know What's someone the, uh... who did that. Someone in Atlanta was an extra of that. He was so proud because he was like the guy who got his leg ripped off and he would brag about it forever. I remember oh, wow. him. Good for him. That's, almost... That's awesome. And I bet, but he was so cool. He worked the Lion Skater in Atlanta. I would... He was fantastic in this episode. Well, let's talk about the, the Dream Lord. Um, awesome character. So cool. What do you guys think? of it? Do you think there's more to it? Do you think it's the Doctor's Dark Side? Do you think it's something else? Do you think we'll see it again? What? I think it's the Doctor's Dark Side, but I think they were definitely setting setting it up to where we were. We haven't seen the last of him. Yeah. And, uh, and I thought it was kind of telling that Doctor Who just sort of, you know, once he figured out what was going on, he just sort of blew it off. Oh, well, that was my dark side. And it's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Your dark side seems to be pretty damn destructive. <laughs> you know? And we've seen it in past episodes how destructive the doctors can be. There's a reason he's the most feared person in the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Watching it, I was thinking, okay, where are they going to go with this? Because I thought maybe, you know, implausible as this is, I thought maybe it could have been the Master again. It could have been the uh-huh. Valyard, and they might have put that in from the old Who series. Or, But they went totally off the rails, and I did not expect it. But when they revealed it, I didn't have a problem with it. I thought, okay, yeah, I can buy that. I uh, I started and this this is going back old who I kind of suspected it could be the the master of the land of fiction which is a second doctor episode ah very similar kind of from an episode called um, the mine robber incredible episode by the way totally you should be tripping when you watch it but um, I I kind of I kind of thought it may be that and it could still be without even bothering to give him the name you know it's because Moffat's a fan of the old show but it's it's an interesting character I I. I hope when he comes back, if he does, that they bring him back the right way, because he could become Q, or Mr. Mitzelplick, uh, you know, uh-huh. of, the, of the series. Uh-huh. Oil. Yeah. And, and, I, and I hope he doesn't become that much of a joke. I mean, he, he's not right. incredibly sinister, because there is a comedic element to him, but uh, I, I hope he doesn't just go all goofy, and they put him in a Robin Hood, you know, episode or something, like Q did. So. Yeah, Q, Q lost his piss and vinegar after a while. I think it was mostly overexposure. So, yeah. but I, I'm a sucker for bent reality, dream reality, you know, reality skewing off in two directions. And uh, this had all kinds of all that stuff. The time travel element of where you know they're looking at themselves off in the distance. I I love that sort of thing. So this this story was made for me. So I was I was digging it from you know when it was out of the gate. I, I loved how every time they clicked in at reality, Amy would be like, "Oh, this is definitely the one." I just yeah. thought that was, that bit it never yeah. got old for me. It never got old. Well, because it was such a part of her personality. You know, it was just like she's so sure of herself that as long as she's conscious, you know, she's I, this is reality and. uh and in a way, she was right. You know, they were both, I guess, valid realities until she chose, you know, which one she was going to choose. I almost wondering if it should be called, though, the Doctor's Choice, because this these are two realities set up by him. Yeah. But so is the two it reali- also they're, they're, the doctor they're set up wants, to like, force a doctor... choice for her. I know, but it, it makes me wonder why. He would well, go out of his way to do this. It's really, it is Amy's choice. And what I read it is what she's really choosing is between the Doctor and Rory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, right. uh, yeah, totally. I'm just and, looking a little. 
I, I, I'm glad this episode happened because up to this point, even though I really loved the character of Amy, I really did. I mean, totally into it. She, there was one element of her that pissed me off is that here she is gallivanting around the universe, you know, and she's leading her boyfriend, fiance on, and she really wants to jump in bed with the doctor or, or at least fool around with him, not fall in love with him, but she wants to have some fun with him. Oh, um, I was calling her all sorts of terrible names when she made out with him. I, I was calling her <laughs> and, and, and a slut and a harlot. Yeah. Like, I was just screaming at the TV. And I liked this now, episode because it was the episode where you see that Rory is not Mickey. Yeah. Definitely. And she, Thank yes. you. And she, whereas Rose never got put in her place about what she did to Mickey, Amy did here. She, she, this is it. You know, she's got to make the, she's got to quit screwing around and get her shit together. And I, I was glad that happened because I was kind of like, yeah, I was saying all those things about her too. I was mad. So I, I like See, that. I think so. it was very human of her to, to in that, because when you think of it, okay, she is getting, you know, someone who's getting married, that's intense. And then her raggedy doctor has shown up after all this time and is, you know, putting her into a TARDIS and traveling around time with her. I think most people might, you know, it's just conducive to romance, you know, even if it's ill-advised or or whatever. I just I I saw that as a very, very human thing and... uh, you know, and the doc and the doctor was right there. You know, just like, well, no, you know, he took the high road. Yeah, well, it's like he that. wasn't even aware of it. It's like he didn't even get that she was interested in him. It totally was off his radar. See, I thought What's I thought he was probably getting it, but he was just like, I'm not even gonna. Off. Yeah, I'm not even gonna acknowledge hey, this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, gonna agree with with Chris on this one because I mean, he went through it with Rose and he went through it with Martha. And if we're still concluding that this is the same person, he knows what it's like to be hit on because he also went through it with Astrid and like all these other characters who hit on him, who he's made out with. And every time he makes out with people, I yell at the screen. Doctor's <laughs> supposed to be asexual. Fuck the, si- the eighth movie for the eighth Doctor movie for kissing Grace and breaking that boundary. Hi. Hey, I don't know. No, I love the movie. It's for when he kisses Grace. Cause... Somewhere okay. the doctor, somewhere okay. the doctor's sitting somewhere, and he, and your voice came through a wormhole and said, "The doctor's supposed to be a- asexual," and he like looked up and went, "What?" I'm never gonna see you guys again if I ever hear the Tars. I'm running right. All right, let, let's just, let's just <laughs> let's spend a, let's spend a few minutes on this. It's not technically these episodes, and sorry if I'm derailing it, but. I, I'm I'm a long-standing Who fan. Thirty years now, I've been watching the show. He was in love with Rose. Period. I don't care. He's supposed. He has been asexual prior to this. You're right. But for whatever reason, in the ninth he incarnation, one. he fell in love. It's just a fact. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with him being in love with Rose. But everything that came after, like when he kissed Astrid, when it just didn't need to be there. It was because David Tennant was pretty. Yeah, like, I'm okay. I'm okay with him loving Rose because I can buy that he can fall in love too, and that's why I think he pushes off Amy so much because he just that was his love. He can't be with anyone but Rose and possibly River. But still. Yeah, and I think he wasn't going to give Amy anything to grab out. He wasn't going to acknowledge it because he wasn't going to give her any anything at all to encourage her or. And I think it's to because it he reality. saw Mickey's destruction, and he didn't want it to do that to Roy. Actually, I think it's more like I think he's back to being asexual. I, th- I think this doctor just isn't hardwired to fall in love. I don't think we're gonna. I don't think we're gonna get a girl in the fireplace episode where he's because the doctor sort of fell in love with her too. 
I don't think we're going to get an episode like that where he just head over heels for a girl. I think he's back to the, being wired the way he used to be. I don't know, because in the finale, he's with... flirting with River. Yeah, mm. but I mean, like, okay, I think he's done with it now because him, like like the audience, we're kind of sick of seeing it. They they pretty much forced it on us with all of Tenet. And I love Tenet, but every time he met somebody, he had to kiss them. Like, even um, Planet of the Dead, the chick kissed him in the bus. How many times can we see that before we're like, okay, we get it. They like you. I would have, I would have, I would have kissed the girl on the bus. So I, I almost no. wanted him to try to kiss somebody in Waters of Mars, and they just spew water on him. That would just been oh. awesome. And then I remember I watched the show with my sisters because you no, know, I, I got them into it. And when Amy kissed a the doctor, they're like, no, don't do that. Please don't be that character. And that that's when it clicked with me. Like, yes, please don't be that character. You're so different. We love that differentness, if that's a word. Don't kiss him. But well, the interesting thing is, she didn't have any interest in falling in love, in love with him. She just wanted to screw him. Basically. Which is kind of a, a different take to some extent. Part of me was kind of rooting him on, but I mean, <laughs> character-wise, we don't want to see that. Because it's like, uh, cause we went through it with Martha, too, the unrequited love thing. I think the biggest mistake was getting rid of Rose, but keep mentioning her. That's yeah. kind of why, yeah. Martha, like the time we get it. They should not have had Martha fall in love with him. It should have been more like they did with Donna, where it was like, no, we're not a couple, you know? That was Donna. Like, Donna was so good. Yes, she was. I love Donna. It's funny, though. Like, a lot of people I meet from the UK hate Donna. Why? They, well, they, do they not like the I actress or do they not like the I, character? They don't like the character. I think it's, like, a cultural thing because every person, all my friends that are fans of Doctor Who over in the UK, they hate Donna, but all my friends here in the US love Donna. And I, I, it might be a cultural thing. I wonder. It There's very well could be. Hate Martha and Donna because they're not Rose. I, I had this Martha. weird, I had this weird vision the other day while I was shaving, of just a funny episode, which won't happen. But you know how they, every once in a while, they get to an episode where they get all the people together, like they, you know, journeys end and all that. Um, mm-hmm. Seeing Donna's reaction to Amy being the next companion, it, with not, you know, she'd have to have her knowledge back, would be fucking hysterical. <laughs> Just her going on about, oh, you replaced me with a younger redhead. You know, all of it, just, oi! You know, and, <laughs> oh, God, it'd be, I'd be crying laughing my head off. I just it's, want Jack. I just want Leela back. <sighs> well, something, something to be said like for Leela. But Jack, I, even though I enjoy Torchwood, I like Jack on Doctor Who better. There, there are distinctly two different characters. Yes. Jack on Torchwood yeah. and Jack on Doctor Who are entirely different characters. Just the same name, same actor, and same history. But the, the whole personality is com- same. The the well, <laughs> he's prettier on Torchy because he's had more surgery. Um, <laughs> John, John Barrowman has. <laughs> I, I disagree. Uh, I think, and when he's with the Ninth Doctor, God, he he just looks younger. And damn, is he fine? Oh my God. Well, he even admits it that in in the in Utopia or whatever, the Doctor goes, "You've had work done," and he's like, "You haven't." <laughs> he openly admits that he's had you know work done on him. Anyway. Well, Amy's the doctor has big-time facelifts all the time. Exactly. <laughs> it's the total treatment, yeah. Amy's Choice, I, obviously we all thought that was a great one episode. One of the, yeah, one of the just, yeah, the shining stars of the whole season. Of, it's a nice done-in-one. That's what I like about it. Yeah. It's, it's a done-in-one, and it sort of, it really, like, encapsulates the whole feel of, of, this season that I watched, it has, you know, just a little bit of all the the elements. It has that um, 
portentous importance of you know what what Amy does and you know the hints that she's a very pivotal character and you know and R Rory's now you know completely you know involved in it and 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 by the end of this you actually are you know understand and are rooting for Amy and Rory's relationship which is great because I I was thinking that it was going to be all about how she decides not to get married yeah. <laughs> to the board and live a boring life and and this like shades it into it doesn't portray it as like it's either interdimensional space travel or complete you know boredom and mundanity and this is, is the first of something this... very human about Amy being pregnant. Like, one of the best scenes is when she fakes going into labor to freak out the doctor, and then she eh. calls up. That, no, to me, that's a very human thing, because sometimes no, I like... the doctor... Oh, okay, I thought you made a... Sound. No, I was laughing. I loved it. Because, I mean, that's a very... Sometimes the doctor does get caught up in his alienness, and he needs Amy and Rory to bring him back down to Earth. Like, when a when Rory punches him in the finale, like, he, he needs them to bring him back down, and I really enjoyed that about this episode. And this was the first of many times we get to watch Rory die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rory's. Oh, go ahead. He's like the he's like the C three PO of this one. He's always gonna get his arm torn off or dismantled. I well, like you, you said, some people you refer to as criers. He's a dyer. Yeah. <laughs> Three times this season, he kicked the bucket. So. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be like a it's like a running gag with him. Was this the only episode that didn't come back up in the two-part finale? Because I remember going through and counting the episodes where they where they showed up again. You know, you're right. It might be. You're right. Well, I did, don't remember. Did the lodger get referenced again? Yeah, because uh, it was out on the street, and it was when Amy dropped off the card. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. That's I I I know the crack did. I think the crack definitely made an appearance at the end of this episode. If it I did, I can't it, remember. Well, was I think it, the, it was just was it on the monitor like, and the monitor cracked, or was that a different? Yeah, it was I didn't just think some. Cracked till later, though. The, okay. It was I'm, just some sort of pan away at the end. There was no acknowledgement of it by the doctor. It was just a sort of in the background things. Background and thrown in at the end of like, okay, here here it is in this one. Hey, uh, question, throwing back to our previous episode of Two True Freaks, where we talked about Time of Angels and Flesh and Stone. Yeah. When when the angels got sucked through the crack, does that mean they never existed now? I, or I does that what everybody has. Because, I mean I, I mean, I know the doctor came across the crack, but did they too? Because if Amy remembered them, she would pull them through again too. There's uh, a million ways the angels could still, well, no, actually, if they, well... I mean, obviously, Rory exists. Yeah. So, yeah. so he. So I mean, it's abs. It's not. It wasn't an abs. The absolute that it seemed like it was. You know, the absolute dissolution and death was falling into the crack. Good point. But it obviously, I guess, wasn't really as as. And the, that's one of Moffat's biggest money makers. I mean, for thirty years, the Daleks were voted the scariest creatures on Doctor Who until. Blink, and then I think the Weeping Angels won something like sixty-five percent, and it was the highest like gap. They're way scarier than the Daleks. 
Like, it was okay. the biggest... Well, no, you gotta look at it in perspective. Like, like 20, 30 years ago, the Daleks sent children running to their beds yeah. because they were so scared of them. What's funny but then the next it? day, the next day they were on the playgrounds going exterminate. exterminate. My, my yeah. four-year-old four daughter, my four-year-old daughter today was in my little, my home office going, Daddy, is this a good one? Exterminate, exterminate. Uh -huh. Doing her best version of exterminate. I'm like, honey, I love you that much more. Yes, honey, that is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> my sister hates me because I'm training my niece to be a nerd. I taught her to wiggle her fingers and go, Cthulhu. Ooh, nice. <laughs> get him going on the old gods yeah. early. That's the best way to do it. Otherwise, they're no good when, you know, yeah, they're not going to be any good if they're adults if you don't get them going early. Right. I have Elder adorable, gods. adorable videos of her doing it, too. Lovecraft well, started when he was, like, four years old or something like that, you know, so get him awesome. on the Suzuki method of conjuring right up, <laughs> right off the bat. It's okay. I'm All training right. my nephew to be gay. Mo moving on to old Holy gods shit. coming out of <laughs> <laughs> My sister hates me. Good luck with that social experiment, Hope. Oh, we'll no, check no, in no, on no, that so later. I was walking with my nephew, who's two, and we're walking by this How does one and do he that? stops, and he picks up shoes and goes, And Hope, these would look great on you. And I was like, <laughs> good job. <laughs> then you're not turning him gay. He's, you're just, you're he's just... Already a, he's He's already he wired just, for that. You're sweeping the, you're just sweeping the road ahead of him. That's all you're he doing. That's a Didn't band name right there. Pink dump trucks, but apparently they do. That's a band name right there, Pink Dump Truck. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of dump trucks and holes in the ground, the Hungry Earth. I was reaching. I know, it was <laughs> grasping like out of a hole in the ground. Nice smooth oh. segue, my friend. <laughs> well done, sir. Alright, the Hungry Earth. I really? Didn't think it was that, I didn't think it was that bad, but it, there were there were there were elements of it that were just well. What can I say? You know, you can't complain, I guess, about elements being ridiculous. But that just the whole I you know I but I really like the character of I like the two characters of the um what, 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 he was the owner of the company. The sort of yep. guy looked like Charles Durning. I love Charles <laughs> Durning, and he reminded me of Charles Durning, and I just I thought he was great. And his his assistant that he you know that they were secretly the uh, the I can't remember her her name, but right. that they were secretly in love with. And uh, I liked her sh her she was I liked her character because she was a scientist with imagination and like. It did not. T she could have been a companion for Doctor Who too. She could have just as easily been dragged along on an adventure because she got it. You know, she she knew what what the deal was, and once you know, she, she didn't waste any time going. What do you mean? There's a whole other society under the ground. You know, that's impossible. She was just like, okay, <laughs> well, what do we do? I like that she was older. I yes. thought that about today. Imagine she did become his companion, and then some aliens come across. It's like, what? Is this your mother? I just, I like that because you know you don't see enough people that are. You see either really old people or really young people. You don't see a lot of people in between. You're or like just starting to get old. You know, I thought yeah. that was cool. Yeah, who that? She, and she wasn't like a stunning. She wasn't like a stunning like 
you know, from um, designing women or, or not designing women, whatever. She's not like a... She's not like Amy and Rose. Yeah, she, she wasn't she's just a... Mott. No, she was a very just normal-looking lady that you would see working in a lab somewhere, you know, and uh, a, just a normal person. Yeah, I love that when that happens on TV because it's always been, you know, the pretty people have always been sort of cast and stuff, but, you know, it seems like in the last decade or so, the the prettiness casting factor has just become so... It, you know, control. ingrained in everything. Yeah. You know, the W, the w, I, I, I always think of it as like the WB effect. You know, <laughs> where everybody's kind of slim, clean cut, clean cut to the point where they can get a little shaggy or whatever, but it's generic enough so that they it's aren't Buffy too the, far off the. Yeah, Buffy the, Van, the, Buffy that the whole Vampire. Look. Yep. Yeah, that whole look, and you know, I mean, the new Star Trek movie is is like that because let's face it star trek the original f series had some actors who were you know deforest kelly was not a pretty guy he was a grisly doctor and you know and he wasn't really old and he wasn't you know he was just a sort of grumpy grisly looking kind of unattractive guy and and that's the world's mostly people like that you know my i don't mom know had, my mom had the biggest hots for leonard nimoy in the 60s Weird. well that there were you know I mean, yeah, Leonard Nimoy. Well, it was funny when you guys were talking about Doctor Who being um, being sexless. It reminded me of, like, Mr. Spock. You couldn't really get Mr. Spock to hook up with anybody because all the women that were watching Star Trek were, you know, they, wa they were thinking about Mr. Spock because well, he was the aloof one that, you know. <laughs> well, the thing about Doctor Who is that the, the, the romance never came up. It's not like he was dodging girls left and right. It just was never an right. issue. No one ever right. hit on him. So, But I, I agree. I liked this lady because she wasn't pretty. She, I mean, I, that's not fair. I'm sorry. She, <laughs> was, she, she was pretty. She wasn't, a, you know, a super hottie, you know. She wasn't like, yeah, you know. she was a no, just a normal person. Exactly. Yeah. And the guy, the little bit older, he was great. I, I actually liked the mom in the show. Not because I, she made good choices and not because she was a good person, but she was a real person. Right, she made, right. She made horrible choices for reasons I understand, and I wouldn't. I don't. I hope. I would hope I would make the same choices, but I understood why she made them, and I'm glad they showed a person doing that in the in the show. Yeah, and, and the and the the scene. I I thought the scenes with not necessarily her and the um. Well, uh, I can't remember the name of the race, but that you know they had the captured the the captured Silurian woman. Yeah. There. And, um, you know, I thought those scenes, I, I got the idea of what they were trying to say with it. And I, and I sort of liked that it, it was a very complex you know, or a more complex than usually you would see in a show like this examination of enemies and, you know, hatred, you know, racial hatred or hating your enemy and, and all that. But there was just something a little forced about it. There was something about that part that was that just felt a little too story element, you know, that that was like, okay, we need this here in the story element. That was the only thing that sort of felt a little out of place, although it be you know, it belonged in there. It was actually necessary, it like sort of hinged around that whole moral idea there. I, I, I just felt maybe that that could have been handled 
differently or or better. I don't know how. So I'm gonna I say I, like... I'm sorry. I would say I hated this episode. Yeah. <laughs> this, this both of them are both of them are just the first one. Both of them. Since we're on the first one, I talk, I talk about the first one. But a lot of this, two biggest problems I had with this was one again, much like the previous, are the much like some episodes I didn't like this season, it felt like a holdover from previous seasons. Like, this was a script they had for a while, and it's inserted the necessary bits. Like, Amy got taken out way too quickly in this one. Uh, the second thing I didn't like about it was... Like, okay, how do I say this without being, like, really insulting? <laughs> do it! Do it! Okay, You're on teacher's say, Really? Why bother? <laughs> like... There's a, there's a nicer tact for me to take with this, and now the point's slipping away from me. So somebody else go so I can remember it. I, I like a lot, of, like I like and dislike a lot of things about this episode. Um, I actually was gonna say something when we were talking about older ladies, but it's really out of context now, so I won't say it. But um, <laughs> I I, I kind of like this episode because you got to see how Rory worked on his own as just just Doctor and Rory because of the fact Amy was gone so fast. So it was nice to see them kind of build up their relationship and their doctor-companion relationship, too. Um, I just like, I like male companions. There's so few of them, so I always find that interesting. That's one reason why I love Jack so much, because there are just so few male companions. Um, and Adric. Adric. I, I like, like, I, I always love the humanness of Doctor Who. Like, when the Doctor asked the kid to come out, he's like, I can't, I'm dyslexic. He does, that doesn't stop you to do it. And, like, like, he embraced that flaw. I, well, I don't want to say flaw, because I'm partially dyslexic, too. But, I mean, he he embraced that about it, and he showed that it was okay, you can still do it. But once again, it showed the alienness of the Doctor, because he didn't have Roy or Amy really around to help bring him back down, and he forgot the kid, and he left the kid in total danger, and it was his fault. Oh, that was bad, yeah. That was bad, like, he just totally forgot about the kid, but it also brings in that creepiness, small town-ness, how they're all isolated, only four people know, but I, I, I wasn't excited about the Silurians, I'm, I'm a New Who fan, so I, I know a lot of people were like, oh my god, it's the Silurians, and I was just like, ah, who? I was one of the nerds doing that. I was yeah, watching yeah. it. I was watching it, and I was like, oh, God, these people are so boring. I, I feel like they have... could have done it in one episode. They didn't need, it didn't need to be a two-parter. That's what I was that's sort of thinking. I, I would totally agree with that. That's what I was going to say. This episode felt so much... The problem was all this episode was set up for the next episode. Like, they were just setting... They were introducing things, and then it was like, okay, wait for the next episode to watch it. I didn't even care in the first episode, so why are you going to make me sit through another one? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't even think we needed the part with, like, I like the little, like, lab coat Silurian, like, the, the nerdy lab Silurian. Yes. But I feel like you didn't need the leader, you didn't need to be like, oh, this could be a potential changing point in history. I didn't care at all. It just, they could have been like, oh, no, it's the Silurians, let's give her back to the dead girl. Oh, everything's right again in the world. And I just, it was just I thought fun. of him as the Dr. Zaius. <laughs> I, I did like that scene where the doctor gives that whole big speech about the momental how, how you can make your own history right here. I liked that bit, um, and, and you know, this, I thought it, I, I didn't dislike the episode as much as y'all. Um, oh, but it, I, I, mean, I, I didn't dislike it, but it wasn't my favorite. It was in the middle, but it was. Very I hated cool. it. <laughs> wow, we're right. We're... I, I like parts of it. If we had somebody who really liked that, we'd have the whole spectrum here, but. Then I beat him up. <laughs> Man. I don't know. Just, him and there's kick just him. something. 
about like the leader just seemed to go along with it too easily like i just woke up there's people invading the planet that we once own well that's okay we'll make amends i mean if you once owned the planet technically the humans are the invaders they weren't there when they owned this planet the silurians did have the right to it and he was just like and then when the lady came and just kind of shot up everything he was just like oh our bad let's go back to sleep for a thousand years and then Who's gonna believe the damn, like, four people about an alien invasion? People are just gonna think they're crazy. Like, we yeah. saw an alien invasion. Well, so did the tabloids. And then what happened? And we foiled it, and now it's over and safe. What were okay. they even drilling? Were they we're just heroes. drilling a hole for the dam of it? We wanted to see how... <laughs> I, yes. I got the idea that they just wanted to drill the deepest hole ever drilled. <laughs> because they're scientists. That's what Why? men like to do. They like to drill. They like to drill and There's drill. There's a lady and... and girls. No, we are. We think stuff. <laughs> I was going for really bad sexual innuendo, but anyway. I was just gonna say, there's uh, yeah, there's <laughs> ladies like that, but then there's ladies who are, sometimes there's ladies who just yeah, there, and there's, there's Amy ladies who, who like, into... <laughs> gets I mean, almost felt like Sarah Jane because oh my god, I love Sarah Jane, but in the old series she just falls off stuff and she trips yeah. on stuff and she gets hit in the head with stuff. So I was about just... to, I was about to say this is not a safe place to hate on Sarah Jane, but you, no, you, I love so, uh, Sarah Jane. Just she, God, like she trips a lot. <laughs> yes, she would fall down or get hypnotized every freaking time. Hypnotized, dark. yes, you're right. You know what's another yeah. bad thing about this episode? It's after we have Amy's choice, where we have another small town. <laughs> We're going to another small town again. Part of what I liked about this season was we got a little variety. Like, every episode, there was a little bit of something different. Here, we're going back to another small town, to the most boring villains imaginable, to another yes. humans are the real monsters speech, and blah, blah, blah. Where are the people? I, like, there can't just be four people living in this town because there are way more houses than that. What are the of people? Maybe they were asleep. I, I'm just enjoying how much this episode makes Jose angry. <laughs> I hate this episode. Which <laughs> you're, you're, I love this. You, you've got some real passion here. This is good, man. This is good. This is healthy. He has my passion Embrace for Victor it. the Daleks. I was screaming. All right, so... In that episode. I got What's a that? question. Oh, I, I, I got, um, question. The, the, when Rory and Amy see themselves on the hill across the way, and then, you know, did they ever explain that or not? I think it was supposed to be like you can they can just see their future, and then that kind of sets up for what happens with the ending where we can see time does change. But how were they seeing their future? Like, there, oh, was, no, well, there was no time travel in the episode. When we, when we, when we come into the third part... That's where some of the, the there's some some of the time travel stuff yeah. in this doesn't quite work for me in this season. There's well, a few time travel things that are a little fudgy as far as making sense go, and and I get the feeling that sometimes they you know they they write stuff and go well, hopefully they'll just let it go and go with it, you know. I mean, you pretty much have to establish. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say with any season finale of Doctor Who since New Who started. You, you just have to just go with it. Because uh -huh. there's so much shit in every season finale where you're like, really? Yeah. Really? It's and called Russell T. Davis. And Stephen Moffat, thank you very much. Really no. 
No. I love Stephen Moffat, but this season right. finale, there are things where you just have to go, mm, okay, I'm We'll cross that it. bridge when we find it. Yes, you gotta no, save, save that passion for Wait. part three. But the thing is, okay. Scott, they've already established that there's something already wonky going on with time. The fact that nobody remembers the Earth being taken in, at the end of season four, no one remembers the Dalek invasion in, at the end of season two. They've already established in this season that something's wrong with time. True. True. And the doctor seems to be the only person who's noticing it, too, so he's the only one who's alarmed by it. But he's keeping it in the back burner. So are we moving to episode two, or are we lumping them all together? Oh, well, we've, been, we've, been, we've been lumping. Yeah, the two-parters, the two-parters, I just like to look at them as one, you know, one story, you know? Okay, yeah, so yeah. I kind of want to bring up what happened to Rory, the first okay. of many. Yes, can we talk about that? Wait, this is the second time he dies. I thought it was the first. No, he died in Amy's Choice. But he didn't oh, really yeah. die. Well, he didn't really right, die but... here either. So. Right, right, <laughs> and, uh, right. That's yeah, true. He, he never really died, but he, he died. Yeah, it's... Yeah. He just sort of died. It's we like call it die, not gone. die. You're not dead yet. This is the second okay. time we've had to mourn his death. So anyway, so, go ahead. So we had that lame, I jump in, somebody's about to shoot you, let me jump to save you, I take these bullet slash laser, I die, and the doctor still wants to rush him into the TARDIS. But not before he has to go and get something from the crack. Which, when you think of the doctor reaching in the crack, that's not exactly what you're thinking of, but he right. pulls out something interesting, which is not something you think of again. There you go. Right, the, the, the chunk of the TARDIS that I... I spoiled that in the first part because I thought it was at the end of uh, Flesh and Stone that that happened. But yeah, I thought that was, I, I actually thought that was a great, that was one of my favorite parts of the episode. I'm like, that's a great twist. That's nice and uh, foreboding and and evil. It was a Although, good mythology, it was a good mythology building moment, absolutely. Yeah, but at the same time, it was sort of forced in there, you know, because he had to do it at that point, and would he really go and, you know, feel that he had to reach into the crack at that moment when somebody's life was in danger? Oh, yeah, that could have been any point in the season could have been done. Right, right. He's got he's spent enough t time around that goddamn crack, you know. You can you know, I would have been pissed if I was dying and it's just like, "Oh, okay, now, okay." And the the problem I had with it, the fact that the angels wanted to throw him in there to close the crack, I like they obviously they're more they're very powerful beings. They're and and when they went into it, it temporarily closed. I think that something at least should happen with for him to even be touching it. Right. Well, maybe like he got like a maybe he got like a happen. maybe he got like a temporal hangnail or something. Well, he made faces and noises like it hurt a lot to do it, but that was about it. But his hand wasn't like blistered and charred when it came out or anything. So and he was, was protected by a handkerchief, really? Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You reach into the crack at time and say, I never thought of that. Yeah. Wait, let me grab this handkerchief first. <laughs> it's, a, it's a magic handkerchief. It's like a sonic screwdriver and a psychic paper. It's, right, you know, right. It's, it's the it's the it's the hanky of Rassilon. <laughs> it it almost makes me wonder that like, because I'm I'm jumping ahead, but in the finale, all his enemy says that the doctor caused the crack. I wonder if this is almost what they mean, like the fact that he nothing does happen. It's almost like. What if this is the first instance of the crack, but they're seeing the crack out of time and order, and so he's causing this, because he pulls out a chunk of the TARDIS, so he's causing the events for the rest of the season. It's just in the middle. 
Or I could be wrong. And Chad's about to say I'm wrong. No, actually, right now I'm trying to remember what what the hell caused the crack. No, I'm just trying to I'm just trying to process. Yeah, I was trying to put all was the. Was it was it the TARDIS blowing up that caused the crack? Yeah, oh. it, the the crack was. I think the crack it was, that, was. It was that bitch river. That's what caused it. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it was like some sort the, of singularity. The TARDIS explosion caused the crack, but something caused this TARDIS to explode, and they don't know what. The, and I think it's the silence. It's the silence that caused. That's right. Okay, all coming back to me now. Thank you. But the silence. The silence been, is going into season two. The silence. Season the two. Enemy Look of at you. All I think they just affect all the like all the senses because you have the darkness, so that's your sight. And now they're affecting hearing. Like pretty soon, is food just gonna taste like shit? And the deafness. Yeah. The, and you're the, not gonna the, smell the, anything. Yeah. Or touch the, anything. That's actually, you've stumbled onto uh, the season six big ve- bad guy, the, the Tasteless. Yeah. <laughs> the Tasteless, it's John it's Waters. The they suck all the fat, tasty fat from the food. Those are so cute! <laughs> they are cute, oh my god, I want one. I want one all of right. those I still ones. hate this two-parter. <laughs> I do. I, just, I, I like parts of it, but I like the Roy parts. I like seeing Roy on his own working with the Doctor. And I like I like the humanness of some of it. And I like how I, Rory I, and the Doctor. I didn't give a damn about the Silurians. I just didn't. I didn't give a damn about them. They were really cool in the original series, and I didn't like how they made them look so human in this. I, I get why, because it's more expression. You can see everything, but the old Silurians looked well. It was through a shitty rubber mask. Yeah, they didn't look like humans, and I liked that. So anyway, I fucking hate this two-part episode. <laughs> I just want to punch and punch. <laughs> There's your out tag right there. <laughs> yeah.
We're back with part three, and we've got the same lineup we've had since uh, since the last one. Uh, myself and uh, Scott and Jose Rivera and <laughs> Hope Molinax. I feel like we're forgetting someone, but I don't know who. Uh, there's always somebody. There, there, yeah, I don't know. There were a, uh, there were originally like nine people lined up for this, and. You know, fortunate. It's fortunate and unfortunate in a lot of ways, and you know, and getting nine people at, who are available at the same time on the same day is is especially hard. Especially today, we're recording on a Friday the thirteenth, a cursed day. I it's guess. a bit. It's a bit like Doctor Who. The more companions get in the TARDIS, the more diluted it becomes. Yeah, yeah. So you know, from from those nine people, we've you know, the, the, these are the the ones that that actually made it. So I think it worked out. It worked out better this way. I like having a a continuous crew. It's uh yeah, we'll be able to continue our fights from one part to the other. Um so this one, this that we're going to cover Vincent and the Doctor, the Lodger and the big season finale which was a two-parter which was the Pandorica opens and the Big Bang. And yeah, and the the cryptically titled the Big Bang. So uh so we'll start with Vincent and the Doctor. This is one of my favorite episodes in the whole thing. I good. love this episode. Good stuff. It's a I, good one. As a weirdo artist myself, as somebody who does... I've been in a band for 20 years, and, you know, it's definitely one of those bands that, you know, one out of I don't know what number of people are going to be into it. So I understand that whole thing of like, you know, doing doing your thing and having nobody really pay attention to it or or like so this episode was just pure catharsis for me, you know. It was it was my uh version of like a, a Harlequin romance, you know. It was just pure just pushing my buttons 
from beginning to end. And I thought the, the characterization of Vincent was awesome in this. I liked the 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 way they 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 didn't make him too serious and they but that you know they they put some comedy in it i did notice did did you guys uh, maybe it was on the version i saw but it, on the end of this one i saw the one it must have been aired in the bbc because the ads at the end were like you know if you've been upset by the yes, content of this i saw yeah, that this number they had a suicide prevention line at the end mm -hmm. of it and you know, you uh, you don't see him kill kill himself. It's just you know, it's apparent that he does that he does when they go back and and find out that he did it. But it isn't. It's addressed right out in the open. You know, she she's like you know mentions you know he's gonna kill himself and you know the and I don't think the doctor's really trying to you know I think the doctor knows that there's really nothing you know he can only act in a sort of immediate fashion i having lived with a schizophrenic person his port the uh, a lot of the schizophrenic aspects of him really came out in it that sort of man the, the manic aspect of up and down and mm -hmm. and uh just a lot of his personality ticks were very were, were very true to life to me but the actor did a great job he was yeah really oh yeah he, because sometimes when you play a historical figure, there can be too much reverence to the character, or right. it just this was—he was like a regular guy. It was great. Yeah, he was—he—he he, it was a non-romantic. Non it was a romantic portrayal and a non-romantic portrayal of him at the same time, and it worked wonderfully. And you know the light touches to him, and you know the the fact that he was a character who was going to kill himself didn't prevent them from making him the butt of humor or making him humorous or light in any parts and i and i like that you know mm -hmm. because he came off as as a real person and i gotta tell you just that the the, the scene where they take him back to the art oh, exhibit yeah. and, and have the have the curator or the the mu museum guide explain the you know van gogh's importance to the world and to himself uh, you know when it, 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 that was it, it was one of those things where it was a button pusher and a lot of times i really resent button pushing i really hate it when something tries to push my buttons but if it pulls it off right if it's doing it right it's wonderful and that and this was like et where it was just like i'm gonna push on your button and i'm just gonna keep pushing on it but it's awesome that i'm pushing on it and then it reads and you know and and so I'm watching it and I'm tearing up and and the and they're pushing my button and then the conversation goes to where the museum guy goes and myself I just have to say that you know and starts talking about how much you know that he means to him and that's when they were going oh was I pushing your button oh wait no I'm gonna push this button this button's a little <laughs> bigger and you know and and they and I'm gonna push it just the right time and it was just like ah, yes <laughs> <laughs> good for Vincent Van Gogh but that's an interesting moment with Bill Knighty because he was and I don't have all my facts here but he was for a long time believed to have been cast as the doctor or he was one of the top two people cast as the doctor when Christopher Eccleston got the job and so it's He's very actually uncredited for the episode too 
Yeah. Is he really? Yep. That's cool. Well, so it's just interesting that he had a long history with Doctor Who and was believed to was going to be Doctor Who, and he appeared in it anyway in this role, and I just thought it was cool. He's, now, such a, he's a great let, actor. Let me toss this out. Do you think it would be... I, not that, like, whether it would actually happen, but do you think it could be pulled off where, like, someone like him could be Doctor Who again, where you could get an older Peter Cushing sort of guy, you know? Because it's funny, last night I was just stumbled across on YouTube, they have the entire Doctor Who and the Daleks movie up in high, in nice high quality. Talking about the old color color one with Peter Cushing? Yeah. That's the one that has the actor who played Wolf in it. Like, not the character, but the actor that he's well, in that I, movie. I did not find... the first 20 minutes of it, and it's completely, it's like Doctor Who is like the dotty grandfather of, yeah. you know, two little kids, and he has a grand, you know, uh, I think a granddaughter, or yes. is she his daughter, yeah. Susan? He has a granddaughter and, and, and then like boyfriend. a, yeah. And he's now, just like, look at what I built. It's called a TARDIS, you know, and the, he takes him into the TARDIS, and they accidentally you know, find themselves on another world and start the adventure. So there's no sort of Time Lord, you know, he's a dotty old professor. But then I, I was thinking, that's right, you know, I could still, uh, you know, I, I would, lo- I, w- I think it would be really brave to, like, sometime have a nice dotty old Doctor Who again. The running that was actually... sequences would be so slow. Well, it would have <laughs> but... to be a different kind of Doctor Who. Well, the, their intention was to cast an older person. I mean, not necessarily an old, old person, but they were gonna—they weren't gonna try and cast someone young again. And then when Matt Smith did a screen test, they just fell for him. They're like, "This is not what we're going for, but this uh, is the guy." I think that was um, a good decision. Yeah, it was. But it's interesting they were gonna go for someone at least a little older. Um, you know, you mentioned Wilf being in the in the movie. I didn't know this until know that till like two days ago. I was watching or I was reading online about Wilf. And I saw a photo of him from the from the. I think he's in the second one of the two movies. I'm like, holy fuck, it is Will! Oh my god! You know, I had no idea that that cop was him, and that's so cool. Dude, uh, Karen Gillan was in uh, Fires of Pompeii. Yep. Yep. And uh, Colin Baker, who went on to be the sixth Doctor, was actually killed or shot the fifth Doctor in an episode called Arc of Infinity. The guy who eventually played the sixth Doctor shot the fifth Doctor. Oh, and whoops! Then they liked the actor, so they brought him back to play the Doctor. Uh, later. That doesn't work out so well. Depends on who you ask. Okay. <laughs> From a ratings perspective, you are you are correct. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's about all I have to say about that episode. Beside beside you know beside that, you know the I I thought the monster was a little bit silly, and it was also another whole thing of like scary monster, but there you know. It was it was another Horda, Devil in the Dark, no kill eye sort of sort of thing, which I appreciate it, but it doesn't have to be every time. I was sort of looking forward to like a Cthulhu fight, you know, <laughs> you know, so a, a real like old old school god. I don't call them the old gods; I call them the old school gods, yo. Cthulhu, yo. Right. It's a, it's a good historical episode. It's just um, after the last one with Agatha Christie, it's kind of hard to top that. Oh, I've heard that's really good. I like it's funny. It is hysterical. Mm. Agatha Christie. I'm intrigued because she's a great character. 
the the sequence with Donna and the doctor in the kitchen when he's like gasping that for air. That is good. Whatever, there were really good parts that of is... it, but I just I don't like Agatha Christie as a writer anyway. So I was just like, uh, as, a, as a as a personality, she's fertile ground though for a character in Doctor Who. She's oh, okay, just... yeah, I'll give you that. I just like her thing. So, but as I actually interest... disagree with all of you about this episode. Did you like the lodger? Yes. Same writer who wrote Unicorn and the Wasp. Interestingly, I know, and I thought he did better. But I about Vincent the Doctor. I liked the episode until I actually sat down and thought about it, and then I really started disliking it a lot. What don't you like? Why? Why? There's. I I reached the end, and it was so good on the surface. And when I reached the end, I realized there was no plot. Nothing really happens in this episode. No, it was just an it was an emotional it, it, plea. All it does is set <laughs> up the, the finale. It, That's it, it, all it's good for. It's just well, catharsis. Two parter. No, it it explores the it, the the comparison of Vincent to the creature is really what the episode's about. At I least just, I saw I, it that way. I I didn't. <laughs> I just the more and more I thought about it, like I I just thought it was a really shallow episode because I thought the end when they took him to the museum was beautiful uh, it, was a, it was a gorgeous I was tearing up but the more I thought about it the doctor would doctor just broke every one of his rules he he never does spoilers he never does anything like that he's always actually been against that yeah uh, it was a complete out of character plea to the emotions of the and viewer it, it just and it worked me with me episode. Like, if it, it was didn't work to me, the more I thought about it, I just it more and more just doesn't jive well with me. If it didn't, if it didn't, if it hadn't made me tear up and get all all loosey goosey for it, I would have been pissed off. If it didn't, if it didn't actually pay off for me and actually get me into that emotional space, I would have been like pissed because it would, it, you know, it was just like it manipulate it. Yeah, it, it would have felt false. But. I I totally agree with you, Chris. That it it shouldn't have happened. It was wrong, and and like she was saying, it doesn't make sense the doctor would do that. But I just I let I gave it a pass because it got to me emotionally. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. My my yep. my, my my um my love of this episode is is purely emotional. It has if 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 I if I intellectually broke it down too much, it what it's not going to hold up. Story-wise, like, really I, well. I, I love Doctor Who, and I I love this episode on on a shallow level. But I like thinking about it, and I like I like analyzing it. And it is a science fiction show, and I just the more and more I think about it, the more I do not like Vincent the Doctor. Now I love a lot of the cinematography, like how like uh, you can count five or more of his paintings set up in yeah. scenes, and that yeah. was beautiful. Like I. I, I love Vincent Van Gogh. He's one of my favorite well, artists. So I was I loved going through and picking out like the paintings throughout the episode. Well, the way they the way they played out Starry Night too, oh, you just reminded awesome. me of that. It it could have been so cheesy. It, it could have been so fake. But in, it, yeah, the way they pulled it off was very artistic. I mean, it really. It it, it was pl- it, It's plausible. It at least plausible enough that that is really how Vincent Van Gogh's eyes perceived it. You know, the way the light, it, there was a very just natural way the light distorted and played 
against itself to change from the regular stars to the painting that was yeah it was ha you know that's hats off to the special effects team because that's where that was good yeah some yeah. some computer animators in America could watch that and take a take a page from from that of what you can do with with television level budget computer animation because it was beautiful to me that's in the doctor is like picking up a comic book that has a really really pretty cover and the artwork on the cover is beautiful and it's well done and then you open it and it's just the more and more you flip through it it's not good but it still looks you put really it really good on the surface but when you really dive into it it's sounds just like not... 300 <laughs> yeah that's how i felt about 300 yeah i mean it's a beautiful awesome movie and i cried at the end it's totally historically inaccurate in every way shape oh wow well. yeah I mean, I mean the comic. I bought the comic when it first came out, and I was like, "This is beautiful." And when, when, and what I did was I waited till they all came out before I read them, and then I was looking forward to reading them intensely, and then I read it all in like an hour. <laughs> I just like, and I was, and I wasn't just breezing through it either. I was just like, "Wow, there were, poof, <laughs> wow." It was just like a little puff of smoke, but it was beautiful to look at. Lots of big splashy pages, but yeah, I would, I, I would, if, if, if it didn't work, it's for me, I would totally probably hate this episode. There would be so many things in it that would annoy, annoy me, but it's like, like space chicken. What the fuck? <laughs> it's a fucking space chicken. It's like a chicken I... and a dog you had love child. And then like they threw it in a vat of radioactive like radioactive tubes and it exploded and in the explosion it became blind so therefore we feel sorry for it what <laughs> and then the doctor says something like oh these are really vicious creatures but it's all by itself so because it's blind by itself let's feel sorry for the vicious creature that's been murdering people all around the town and what? just as you feel sorry for it it's dead i don't give a damn yep. to me this story is about vincent it's about amy and it's about the doctor Fuck the space chicken. Fuck the well, space whales and the space chickens. Well, the space chickens there just to move the story along. It's a uh, is MacGuffin the right word? Is that what the what? Just, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's all it is. It's just there to move the story along and make you care. Sorry. <laughs> Damn, no, they got it again. Fuck the space chickens. That's you got a you got a thing with space animals. Um, I, I really like space animals, but I no no I actually like the whale. I was saying. I explained it, but this one I don't give a damn about the damn space chicken. I just don't. So, Alright. I have no sympathy for him. Close your hole! Good lord! You guys right. talked for so long and I sat here quietly holding my opinion. <laughs> well, hold it some more. Anyway, because uh, I want to no. talk and that's all that, and that's all that matters. Uh, one of the things that I think we should mention with no, this episode. fuck you! I stayed quiet <laughs> for 20 fucking minutes while you guys talked. I'm going to have my damn chance to say my opinion and i don't give a damn if you don't like it i'm gonna say it so shut the hell up that's why we hired you i know <laughs> I she done yet chris we no. needed someone who could put scott in his place <laughs> so all right uh, here's a moffat move that we see in this episode and this is either the second or oh. third time we see it in oh, this season smooth, man is the moffat move is to show snips of the old actors that played the doctor 
RTD resisted doing that. Never once, other than a little hand drawing of Paul McGann, do you see any clips of the old actors that played the Doctor in RTD's the other episode. Doctor? What now? The other You're talking doctor. about the episode. I'm talking about the episodes that we've seen um, in the 11th hour and in this episode. You actually see scenes of previous actors that played the Doctor. In this one, I think you see William Hartnell. I know, and you're saying it, that they did that in the other the episode, the other Doctor. You got to remind me what the other Doctor was. It was this uh, the other Doctor. It's the one that you were saying you loved so much, like three segments ago, that you could watch for hours watching the guy cry. Oh. Did oh, did they show all the old actors in that one they too? They show all yeah. nine okay. of them. All right, well that's interesting then. Okay, I I guess we did get it you're in one wrong. RCD episode. I am wrong. Wow, that hurts. <laughs> that actually hurts my that actually hurts my soul. But catharsis. All right, well then, fine. Prior, prior to the specials, we'd never seen this before, and now we see it all the time. What's maybe it's not a Moffat move then, but it's still it's it's a move we're seeing more and more. We see it, you know, here. This is either the second or third time this season, and then we saw it again, obviously, in the other Doctor. It's just it. It's actually the next Doctor. That's what's throwing me. Ah, you got the name of the episode wrong. Ah, you're wrong. Anyway. Yeah. Um, because it makes me want to see who those other guys are. So it's kind of drawing... Because, I mean, it is what built the new season, is the old stuff. And it to me, it makes me want to see more, because I want to see who these other dudes are. I, I mean, sorry, they I, exist, I, I che- right? Yeah, I cheer yeah. every time, because I love all those actors. But I'm just saying, we go four years with nothing, and then all of a sudden, they throw it in our face three, four times? It's just kind of odd. At least they acknowledge Paul McGann, which I'm glad about. Damn right they do. Oh, yes. The TV movie is bad, but I love Paul McGann. I love the TV movie. Nothing's better than the Master. I have to away. see it now. Read the comics um, that they have of the Eighth Doctor. Those are fantastic. Listen to the audio dramas where Paul McGann did for Big Finish. Oh, so good. Doctor Who the Forgotten. What's that? You need to read Doctor Who the Forgotten. That was just so good. So good. So good. The so Forgotten good. was. I'll sit, I oh, I only have two of the episodes, two of the issues on. Man, I wish I I wish I still had all my old Tom Baker Doctor Who books. I love those books. No, dude, she's Are right. Go go right go right now to your comic book store and buy um the Forgotten uh by IDW. Oh my god, it's so good. I like IDW does a pretty. I like the stuff that IDW does. Doesn't you he know, do ID- Why the Last Man? What's that? Doesn't he do Why the Last Man? That's Brian Some, K. Vaughn. Yeah, someone who did The Forgotten also did White Glass Man, which they're making a movie um, of, I hear. I thought it was I, Tony Lee or something like that that did... To, uh, uh, one of them what? worked on Doctor Who The Forgotten. Okay, cool. It, it was good. You're absolutely right. It was so good. And those old issues of Tom Baker that you liked, um, someone just mentioned, oh, yeah, IDW reprinted those. Oh, really? Yeah. Them currently. They no, I mean, I mean, like the novels, the novelizations oh. of, of oh, the old, you know, the old the target plot of Doctor Wang Chiang with the great yeah. sort of pulpy covers. You know, yeah. I love well, those you, books. Uh, I love the old Marvel comics too that were well, the Marvel reprints. The Marvel comics are the ones that IDW is reprinting. Oh, those are great. And then the target novelizations, um, I can help you with electronic versions of that. If ah, you want. yes, I would be interested in seeing those. I love the the art in those old Tom Baker comics. Was oh yeah, outstanding. It's, uh, and the humor was the humor was there. It was everything was there in those. It was great. 
You know, um, just to digress on that for just a second, the, the guy who was famous for writing the old novelizations is Terrence Dix. And yes. uh, they, they just held a contest recently. Terrence Dix was involved, and they, it was a contest to let someone describe Matt Smith. How would you describe Matt Smith in the style of Terrence Dix? Because Terrence Dix was kind of famous for coming up with like a one-sentence catchphrase sort of thing to describe each doctor. Like the first doctor was always the crotchety old man, and you know, and the second doctor was like the cosmic uh, hobo or whatever. He had these little yes. ways of describing very quickly the essence of the character. And so they had a contest to describe Matt Smith, and Terrence Dix got to judge, and they picked it, and it's going to appear in the next book, and it's kind of oh, that'll cool. be cool. Well, onward to the lodger. Based I'll just on, throw it out. Based on, my... based on a comic strip. Oh, really? really? Yep. It was actually a David Tennant comic strip, right? Yep, it was, it was David Tennant, and it was written by the same writer, Gareth Roberts, oh. and it, it appeared in Doctor Who magazine, and it was about David Tennant staying with Mickey for a week or two. But okay. A lot of the same stuff was in there. The soccer playing, that kind of stuff was all in there. So that, ex- so I wasn't in on that. So that's why I. This is one of my least favorites. The soccer playing, being my number one least favorite moment in this whole season. The whole, woo, doctor, go, dun dun, dun music, you know, montage. It reminded me of the doctor running in, in. The Olympics with the torch, and, <laughs> okay. and and it it was just too it was just too corny, and and I probably would have appreciated it if I would have been familiar, you know, seen that it was familiar characters and been in on the joke. But I was just like, okay, we've already, you know, this is like a light version of the Doctor getting, you know, Amy and Rory together, um, you know realizing this guy's potential or something or you know it could have been maybe something about you know there was a little bit of like you know the doctor lost his TARDIS and he was he was mis he was out of place and and all that and maybe he was putting some of his misplaced feelings about you know Rory's you know negation or death or whatever you want to call it and using that to help this guy you know but that didn't really get it it could have been but it wasn't really didn't really turn up in this episode and it just kind of came and then at the end it's just like it's a spaceship there it goes you know uh, it's funny that you bring up the comparison to um the olympic torch because it was very similar to that episode in which we have a big big sport event and then we have this big unknown creature that's kind of upstairs that you can't really see are you my mommy (laughs) (laughs) but it's like (laughs) <laughs> the, the whole like I think threat for this was I think somebody's trying to build their own TARDIS and then they never explained what it was it just kind of like okay like you said spaceship let's go away like what the hell well the thing is it seemed like whatever the thing was and, and it was another one of those things where whatever it was it seemed to dispatch everybody really quickly <laughs> but once it got a hold of Amy you know the or or um you know or a protagonist it, it the whole process of it sucking the energy out and doing its thing was protracted and you know easy to um i didn't really have much of a problem with the explanation for the thing it was just how it was how the story was told it was just kind of it was at first i was like okay i sort of like the idea of the doctor having to get an apartment you know 
what's the doctor without the TARDIS, you know? How, how is that going to function? And uh, so I th all that was a pretty pretty neat setup, and eh, eh, it turned into, like, a self-esteem episode or something, you know? Uh, I did like the uh, exposition headbutt. Yeah, that was interesting. Has that happened before? Is that so or did that just like was that something we just found out about right there? I think it was something we just found out about right there. That's what it, that's what it felt like. But that was a pretty that was a pretty neat idea. And I like the way the guy was just like, "Oh, you're the yeah, blah blah blah." And I'm like, "That's a convenient way to avoid exposition in a story." And it's kind of, you know, it's a kind of a wink at the at the viewer that like we're gonna just take a shortcut here but it was a nice inventive shortcut so I thought that was pretty neat the way that worked although yeah that it, he really clued in the guy into it seems like everything where he really didn't need to but I really like that... this okay. oh go ahead the, oh, the telepath I was gonna just gonna, I'm sorry I was just gonna say the telepathic headbutt he's done telepathic conferences before but doing it as a headbutt was a little different Go ahead. I'm sorry there. Your turn. Uh, I was just going to say, I, I really do like this episode. I don't, I don't really like the end. That's the only part I don't like. I really like this episode for a lot of reasons, because this is a very heavy season. It's between very two very heavy episodes. Like, you have the schizophrenic, suicidal guy, and then the season finale. So it's almost like the calm before the storm, and there's not a lot of really funny episodes in this You're entire right. season. So to me, it was sort of like a breath of fresh air. On the flip side, I don't buy that the Doctor is this alien because you have David Tennant who's wrapped in pop culture. He quotes movies, he quotes books, he quotes Shakespeare, he quotes Harry Potter. I mean, he's so wrapped in pop culture. And then you have Christopher Eccleston. Like, he's not as much into it as David Tennant, but he still knows humans. He, he eats fish and chips for God's sakes. He knows how to act like a normal man. So you have his two previous incarnations who know how to function normally, and then you go to Matt Smith who just doesn't know what the hell to do when he's put inside a flat. Like, I do not buy that. Because it's the same man. He's the same person. Mm -hmm. I don't care if he's, re like, reworked. I don't care. It just, it doesn't, he, he should know, he should be able to draw. He's the sum of his parts, yeah. He's, he retains his yeah, knowledge like, because he's got an encyclopedic knowledge of every kind of life form and 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 all that. So, yeah, so... I mean, and, like, I can understand him not knowing, like, how much rent is. I can understand that. Hell, I don't know how much rent is in my area for a good price. But, I mean, to not know that normal people go to the pub and go play soccer, he's been around humans far too long to not know that. And soccer's kind of a bit... He spends a lot of time around British humans, too. And soccer's kind of a... Well, football is kind of a big deal. Apparently, Matt Smith is a big soccer player in real life. Ah, uh, yep. so so this was his chance to do some moves. No, they were going to moves. have soccer in it regardless of who was casted. Ah, uh, okay. Say that again? They were going to have... Because someone asked that like in a press conference. And they were going to have soccer in this episode regardless who was going to yeah. be the doctor... This was one of the first episodes that was written for the season. And, I mean, soccer was in the original comic strip, too. So, um, I just straight up loved this one. It was just fun for me. It's, I, the, the whole thing with the, the building, the TARDIS upstairs, I didn't care about that plot. Whatever. 
it was just there to allow me to laugh at the doctor making eggs and going, oh, I have a key up to my room. Of course I have a key. Ooh, you know, all that. I, I just ate it up. And, yeah, it's so contradictory to so many things, but I didn't care. I just had fun with it. It was a fun episode. I, and apparently, like, that, the guy that was his roommate's a really, really big, like, comedic actor over there. So I always like seeing kind of who's big over there. Well, he's a, he was definitely a charismatic actor. He was just a very good character. You know, his character, it reminded me of the guy from Shaun of the Dead, you know, the, the roommate love- from Shaun yeah. of the Dead. You know, interesting. Yeah. Now that I think about it, this doctor, since the new season, and you guys, and, and I'm, uh, this is just coming out of my mouth, so I'm probably wrong, as, as you guys have figured out. Um, but he doesn't, other than his companions, he doesn't really have any friends. Um in the old series, he had the Brigadier. You know, he could right. always... And he doesn't have any friends here, per se, other than his companions. And I like the idea that he had a roommate. It's like a friend. And, you know, if they brought that character back, you know, for them to go, I don't know, have fish and chips or whatever, it'd be kind of cool to see the character again. I like that idea. Winston Churchill seems to de- genuinely... They seem to genuinely have a rapport. Winston yeah, Churchill... and and. and you know, I mean, there could be any numbers of prime ministers or presidents or important people that could have a hotline to Doctor Who, but Winston Churchill has a hotline to Doctor Who. He yeah, can call, he true. can get him on the horn, but that you know, I, I I actually I hope that would I I wish they would have his character in there like they had the Brigadier. I forgot about the Brigadier. How could I forget about the Brigadier? He's still alive. They can still bring him back, in theory. He, he was in the six. Yeah, it, ah, it, yes. it was off though. Something wasn't right. I don't know whether it was the writing or his acting or what. It just it didn't feel right. He could be old and sick, and you know, I mean, he's, old, he's older, but he's still really good on audio. He does a lot of audios for Big Finish. Well, I shouldn't say uh, a lot. He's done some audios for Big Finish, and he's sterling in those. He's just so dead on. He's awesome. Well, I think we should move. We're about halfway through, and I think we should we should spend half this whole segment on the season finale. Cause... Well, let's let's take a second to talk about the video games real quick. Oh, right, right. Yeah, there, I don't know the... nothing about no video games, so you guys are gonna <laughs> have to handle that. I know trailers a little. Look... Go ahead. I was just saying the trailers look cool. Yeah, it's um what they've done is they've actually created these, you know, video games, first person, I don't want to say first person shooter because it's Doctor Who, but first person kind of game yeah. and um it's they're and then they put them on the BBC website for you to play if you're in England and now they're selling them in the US. <clears throat> and they've done two, uh, City of the Daleks, I think the other one's City of the Cybermen, if I remember right. And they're basically mini episodes because there's long cutscenes in these things. And then there's, you know, you go and you do your action, you have your tasks, your challenges you got to do. Uh-huh. And um, there's a guy who has filmed himself, or not in film, but recorded the screen capture, video capture of him playing the game. And they've edited out a lot of the, the action port parts and just put in a, like a, you can, you can find this in places if you wish to watch. And it's like watching an episode because you watch the cutscenes. Then you see him do the challenges, but you don't see him fail and die all the time. So it's just he right, goes you just see him go and do whatever he has to do. Yep. And it's like watching an episode. And it, the City of the Daleks one's interesting. It starts off in 1963 uh, in an alternate reality where the Daleks have destroyed all human life. And then they end up going to Scarrow, and different things happen there. And it's 
actually pretty enjoyable. And, they, and of course, they've got all the actor voice actors doing the right characters, and it's it's like getting other episodes, you know, that squeeze them in the middle of the season. And uh, well, two it's things: to... it's written yeah. by it's written by the episode writers, and they said that it is canon for Matt Smith's era. Good point. Very good point. So it's worth checking out. Yeah. I just hope they don't do a City of the Silurians because I will fucking hate that episode. <laughs> I'm gonna send you the Sea Devils and see if I can change your mind. <laughs> okay. Third Doctor. There you go. All right, that's all, all right. I had to do. That's, that's all, all I wanted. That, that's, that's all the video games there were. You know, it's really funny. I when I was a kid, there weren't any. Uh, you know, there weren't any like Atari Doctor Who video games. I guess they would have been popular. They just probably didn't figure they would have been. There were a couple. Um, there was a couple. I think they were for the Commodore 64. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Really awful. Really bad. Really awful. You can if you can get you can get an emulator and, and uh-huh. download them still to this day. So, by the way, I think there are two more video games to come out. I think there's a total of four. Was the plan? I thought there were oh, five. No. Five? Oh, really? Okay. Four or five? It's up there. But That's right. I think they're gonna do. Th- they're going to do three that are all City of the Silurians, I think. Yeah. No! <laughs> <laughs> the trilogy. But the last thing I want to say is I, I think if you're a two True Freaks fan and you're listening to this and you're a Doctor Who fan and you want to look at these video games, actually do not pirate them. Buy them. Because these video games and the box sets are really the only way BBC can see that the U.S. has a fan base here. Or watch like, them on BBC. They can track but, the number of views on BBC America. But even then, like, for them to make turn a profit, it's all about profit. It's all about marketing true. and stuff. It so is. if the marketing so this pays is off. It's a real huge way for them to say it. So do not pirate the games. Actually, buy them. <laughs> I agree. I, I well, The only reason I did what I did was I can't play video games for shit. So watching someone else play it is easier for me. Uh-huh. But, I, but I agree. Definitely support it. In fact, buy the books. Um, BBC publishes a number of books. I'm, I'm looking at a fat bookshelf of these gorgeous little, they're small little hardcovers. I mean, there's there's new Matt Smith adventures out there in hardcover book right now. You can go read them if you, if you didn't get enough in the season. Um, I you saw can, it last week at Borders. Yeah, so nice. buy the books. Buy, if, if you can't afford the, the DVD boxes, buy the books. You know, I mean, buy something that's got the Doctor Who stamp on it. Buy the yeah. role-playing game, whatever it takes. Buy the comics. Those are cheap. Yeah. Hell yeah, buy the comics. Those are them, probably the most inexpensive Doctor Who product out there. Well, yeah, well, comics need to get bought anyway. <laughs> People need to yes. buy comics anyway, so yeah, you're doubling down on that. It's like a... But it's the only real way for the BBC to see that the U.S. is still a marketable era. Because there's a reason why, oh my god, season four was delayed well, I mean, over a year before it came to America. I, I mean, come on, think of the... You know, I mean, think of the size of Britain and then think of the size of America. It's got to be the market they want because there's just so many more people here, you know. I mean, we are so more, I think we're more wrapped. It, Doctor Who has a bigger fan base because it's been around in Britain longer. Oh, yeah. While here, it's all like, oh my god, TMZ, what's Brangelina doing this week? Oh yeah, my god, yeah. Jersey Shore, look how tan they are. Oh my goodness, Snooki is talking about Obama? Wait, she thinks he's a white guy. <laughs> I love your portrayal of our country. <laughs> That's dead on, I, I think. Know, I know. <laughs> Unfortunately. Chris knows um, I've been watching Hataya, so... It's interesting that you mentioned that, because, you know, in just some history for you guys. In England, now, admittedly, they only had four channels back then, but when Doctor Who was on, you know, in the old days, especially in the early 80s, late 70s, like, 
there was nobody around. Everybody was watching the show. There were you know, yeah. tens of millions of people watching Doctor Who in England every Saturday night. It was astonishing how big it was. Um, and, and right now, it's you know number the it tends to hit the be the number two or three rated show over there. More so during the Tenet years than and Matt Smith. They've lost a little bit of ratings with Matt. It, it had trouble though because it was going against both Eurovision and the World Cup, which are yep. both huge European Humongous. events. Humongous. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, it, it had a lot of trouble this summer. It was a, just a not good year. Yeah. Thematically and artistically, it was a good year. It was a great <laughs> anyway. year. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I it love was a me really some good... Eurovision and I love me some World Cup soccer. It was a very good season of Doctor Who, though. All right. Well, let's get to the the finale, the big, what wrapped up the the port- portentous story arc that they'd been making sure that they mentioned at the end of every episode with the cracking time. <laughs> right. And uh and uh I I loved the the beginning of this Same episode here. more 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 so than the the winding up of it, but I think you just it's hard to wind up a story like this and make it as satisfying as the big build up and twist, you know, at the end of the first episode of this, but uh Man, that was just just a great. I mean, I I was actually like very tense when they were marching the dock when they were like, ah, oh, that's right, we did build it for the most dangerous being in the universe, you. Yeah. <laughs> and they so, actually presented a pretty good point. <laughs> you know, they made a pretty good point when they were telling him why they were putting him in there. So and what I did it? That was fantastic. I didn't mean to step on you. I'm really bad about that. I apologize. I just want to ask, what did everyone think the Pandorica was up until the point where we found out? I thought it was the Master. That's what I I thought it was going to be like the Master or, you know, some some sort of Cthulhu-like energy creature or or something like that or maybe even the Doctor's evil side again or some mirror version of him or something. I wasn't really thinking of it being like the doctor though at all. I that that twist actually got me got me by surprise. I, I, I thought it was going to be the uh um possibly the silence will fall voice that we keep hearing. Mm. See Which sounds the moment like I heard it was a me. prison, I called it being the doctor, and I was right and I cheered. See I you were way ahead of me on that. I did I did not figure it out. I was just gonna say, I, I what I thought it was. I, um, I and I was confident as hell, and I was wrong. Uh, I was sure that it was um, the Doctor's tomb, like a future incarnation of the Doctor was inside there, dead. Um, I, and I don't know why I was so confident that that was it. And then when it wasn't, I was like, oh damn, that they were putting him in there at that moment. I was like, that's cool. Like I, I had a, I had a feeling that it might have. When I heard it was a prison, I had a feeling it was going to be the doctor. I just didn't know how. Like, mm-hmm. I part of me was thinking, like, is is Paul McGann gonna like pop out of there? Like, his oh, like his thing. I would have oh. cheered. For <laughs> that would have been cool. Like, I want Paul McGann to show up so bad. Because I'm coming up to the 50th anniversary, so I mean, I'm waiting for a multiple doctor thing with the 50th anniversary coming. Well, you know, you know, Tenet to come back and do it in a heartbeat. I know. Eggleston wouldn't. He hated it. Yeah, he probably. Well, he hated Russell T. Davies. He, uh, he ain't you know, the some, only one. He he might be able to. <laughs> uh, Moffat may be able to sweet talk him back on. I don't know for you know for a, a small appearance. 
but apparently he was treated badly. But I would want McGann to come back, and um, I'd just be happy if it was from eight on that came back. That would be an amazing. Because oh, yeah. you had the first five doctors, and you've had stuff in the middle. You haven't had like the new doctors at all. Yeah. I was saying, speaking That's of true. returns, the people that we had in the beginning of the episode, that we had all the flashbacks to previous episodes, and all the actors came back. I, yeah. well, I was I, astounded I, that everything was connected. Like, literally everything... Have we had a season like that where literally everything is connected? Well, well that when you said they came back, that made me think that maybe if they had this all scripted out ahead of time and they yeah, knew they all this was going on, it. they might have filmed all those scenes when yeah. they had the people there. That's what I know, assumed like, is they filmed at that time. Otherwise, you know, to pay to rebuild the set to, and all that. To and, strike all the sets again and stuff like yeah. that would be... And then they had that little they reference did. to Jack in the yeah, bar. <laughs> I squealed. Say it again? I couldn't hear it. I said when they had that reference to Jack oh, in said... the bar. Oh, right, right, right. Yep. I squealed. Yep. It was the whole... Yeah, that, that whole segment was really nice. And then Liz 10 came back and, you know, that's a pretty good character. My sisters love that character. So that was nice to I, see. I like that character too, actually. She's interesting. Which one? Liz Ten. Uh, the from the queen. Beast Beneath. Okay. Yeah. The queen. I, I like I like how when she showed up the first time, she acknowledges that the Doctor and uh, the Virgin Queen. They acknowledge that joke from uh, the End of Time. That was cool. Anyway, off subject. And, and we get River Song back in in this. Ah! And <laughs> and, uh, and 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 I just I I liked it. it. It also had that Ocean's Eleven element of it, where you know, the the team was assembled. You know, it's time for her to jump into action, so she breaks out of prison. I love I I love story. I love the characters who live in prison out of their own choice. <laughs> they stay in tr prison until they got to go do something, and then they just break out casually. I love characters like that. The Lex Luthor, you know, you know, I, I that's what I want to be. That guy, you know, I live in prison because I get free meals and stuff. And you know, whenever I want to go, I just set up the hologram of myself and my cellmate playing chess, and off I go. <laughs> My... Was that the, was that the first time we've seen the hypnotic lipstick? Nope. We saw, saw that it in uh, Flesh and Stone because she because she was kissing the guards and that's how she got on the ship. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah, that, um, that was cool. That that opening was a lot of fun, where she was breaking oh. in and we see everybody and. That was. I, like I wasn't sure what to make of the uh, the Roman centurions though until they revealed what they were. I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah. It paid off in the end. I I agree. There was something that didn't feel right. I just thought it was bad writing or, or weird quirkiness. And then, yeah, when it finally all came together, I was like, ah. That's what I liked about this finale. Everything has a, had a fist the entire season. Like, like, this is what made me like Vincent and the Doctor, because it actually had a plot and a purpose. Like, every little thing that happened, even just the coat and no coat, like people bitched about that for a long time being a, just per, a simple production mistake it was done for a purpose and a reason even just the tiniest little details it's just it just felt so complete and I I hated end of time part one and two so just just to see this tied season two with the Daleks and the Simon and losing Rose as my favorite finale those are my two favorites now 
there's definitely some issues with this one though. Like for oh, me, yeah, like yeah. I won't, I won't all, that. <laughs> all the aliens teaming up is just ridiculous. I'm sorry. It's, the, it's like the what was it? The League of Supervillains or whatever. What, what, what was the name the of Legion it? Of the Doom. Legion, Legion of, of Doom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my big complaint with this was a total time was the total. Okay, the big twist of the second part of it was. You know, the Pandorica, the little Amy opens up the Pandorica and big Amy's inside. That was awesome. Yeah. I love that. That was awesome. That, well, that was awesome. And then because that one set up a challenge, right? At the, it said, you know, the last one was like, all right, Doctor Who's locked up and the universe just exploded. <laughs> Tune in for part two. how how, what better of an ending can you have you know the main character is sealed up in a box forever and the universe explodes that's about as final as you can get so when it opens up with this and you know okay something's wrong because there's no stars and you know amy's inside i was just like i love it now we get to find out how the doctor finagled all this, you know, there's a plan, tra- you know, episode two, because don't worry, there's a plan happening. But what turns out, the long and short of it is, is the doctor lets himself out in some sort of weird, yes, like impossible loop, you know. You know, he lets himself, he's able to let himself out because he let himself out. Yeah, it's a paradox. Yeah, yeah, it does. It, 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 it shows that time isn't linear, and I mean, it's like David Tennant always says, "Timey wimey." It's it's almost like a big ball of just it's an amoeba, and it's always shifting and always changing. Like when when River when they can't find the dead doctor because he lied. Uh, oh, that is great. The the scenes where he's jumping back and forth. I love the bit where he steals the soda from the younger Amy. But, um, <laughs> yes, but. The, yes, the, I I watched this these episodes with my wife and my and my stepson, my ten year old stepson, and they loved it too. And but my wife says something that really surprised me. I thought as a as a guy who watches a lot of sci fi and stuff, I thought the stuff with the time jumping was going to confuse the shit out of people. I mean, I got it, I didn't have any problems, but I figured I'm like, well, this is gonna you know this is gonna be what the fuck. Yeah, but people my wife, are gonna lose it here. My wife actually turned to me unsolicited during that, and she goes, "You know what? They're doing this very well." I'm like, what are you talking about? She said the time jumps. With him holding the mop and the fez, uh-huh. it makes perfect sense. And then I watched the Confidential. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever watched the Doctor Who Confidential. I was going to oh, ask. I, I haven't seen those yet, but I've seen them. I've seen them around, and I was going to ask. I forgot to ask if anybody'd seen those. Yeah, they're good. Yeah. They're good. And the, and the one for this episode, they talked very. They worked very hard to get you to understand the time hops with the props, and, and also to get you for the the viewer to get there before it happened like you see the doctor put on the fez you see the doctor with the with the mop and you go oh that's about to happen so that yeah. the audience the casual viewer actually figures it out before it happens and it's it really was brilliant the way they did that so i mean put it this way like chris you've met megan she hadn't seen part one and she totally got part two just yeah, well, I can see I can see that because part one is just sort of a buildup of opening up the Pandorica and getting him inside. The real, yeah, the real story of this whole thing doesn't happen until part two. You know, they they, did, they do a good job of that with the season finales. Is even though they're cliffhangers, usually you can watch the episodes independently of each other and still get the gist of what's going uh-huh. on. And they did a good job with that here. Definitely, that's really hard to do. Yeah. 
And uh, my favorite supporting cast member of this whole episode, the Fez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love how when he puts it on. It, I he, love Fezes, man. Well, I was on eBay. It's so weird you say that because I was on eBay last night looking at. Uh, last night I was saying, I want a Fez. <laughs> I want to wear a Fez. And I was on eBay looking at Fezes last night. <laughs> Well, the the cool thing about it is when when he puts it on, as far as the doctor's concerned, it's at that moment, the moment it touches his head, it's part of his costume. It's yes. just because later on he even says he goes, "I wear a fez now." Yes, you know, <laughs> and he, he, he tied it in with the whole you know uh, bow ties are cool and fezes are cool. He tied all that together. It was awesome. That's that's one of my favorite lines. I have two favorite lines of the season, and both came from this episode. One is you know I fezes are cool. I wear a fez now. And my other favorite line of the season is at the end. Um, you know, yeah, raggedy doctor, or right? Yeah, raggedy doctor. I remember you, and you're late for my wedding. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like the fact that they had to shoot the fez, or else Matt Smith would wear that forever and always. They talked about that in the confidential too. They were worried. They're like, you know, if we let Matt Smith, because apparently he's a little nuts. <laughs> like, if we let him wear it in real life, you know, he, he'll want to wear it all the time. We've got uh-huh. to make sure we take it away from him very quickly. Excellent. Well, and they're, it's. Sounds like he's perfect to be the Doctor Who for a while. Yeah, yeah. I love the uh, line when he's talking when he finds out Rory's still alive. He just comes up to him and says, "I don't want to be rude, but you died." Yeah. <laughs> I love that bit. Like he kind of just like pushes him. He's like, "So, how's it yeah, going?" Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I like their guy relationship, you know, because it was a girl. There'd yeah. be lots of hugging and, and screaming, but since they're guys, it's different. <laughs> I like how they also bo- basically both acknowledge that Amy is in total control of both of them. That yeah. she just, uh, you know, there's several points where she's just like, I've got my two boys with me and my TARDIS and blah, blah, blah. And, and they walk in and they do the male bonding thing where they're going to look at each other and go, that's what she thinks. But they, they just look at it, their eyes meet and they're like, now nah, she's right. <laughs> and then they go and they just are resigned to it and they go inside. Well, they actually say that in the wedding where he gets, he says, he calls him like Mr. Pond or something like that. And Rory's like, right. no, no, it's not how it works. And the doctor goes, oh, yes, it is. And Rory's like, and, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just totally, you're right. They totally admit that they're, you know, at Amy's will, whim. Okay. The, yep. one, the one thing that uh, I liked about this finale is we didn't find out who that voice of silence was they kind of left it open-ended for the next season because i think the temptation with these finales is to make it the daleks and i hate to say that or or bring bring back another time war survivor which is like silver age krypton everybody fucking survived that thing right but here they 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 played it so it's like okay you don't you're dealing with the ramifications but you don't know who it is and it's it's this bigger mystery you get to find out later on speaking of uh kryptonian surviving um Rumor is that Omega, or Omega, however you wish to say, is going to be in next season. That's why I thought it was going to be this season. I thought he was going to be in the Pandorica, too, but... Yeah. I I think that voice sounded a lot like Davros. Uh, From way back when I... I'm remembering, I don't know if... I'm assuming Davros has shown up since back in Tom Baker days. I'll put money on that the silence is something new. I would because love I if think, it was something new. I think Moffat's smarter than that. I think he's creating something new and interesting. Well, he'd already, you know, I mean, you've already seen the Cybermen and the and the Daleks this season. It wouldn't be a bit, you know, it wouldn't be a big sur- 
surprise or reveal if it was if it was them. It would actually be very anticlimactic or predictable. And see, by the way, the Cyberman Sentry that like attacks Amy. Uh-huh. Like, part of me hates that scene because I'm like, did you really have to squeeze the Cyberman in? But the other part of me just thinks that scene was awesome. How it splits open and drops the skull and comes after her. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. It's like, that was really cool. I just, I wonder, um, because it wasn't it the crack that was it the TARS that caused the crack, or was it, or was it the crack that caused the TARS to explode? No, the silence did something that would not allow the TARDIS to get away, and then the TARDIS exploded, and that's what causes the crack. Ah. Oh. So the silence that's, caused the TARDIS causes crack. That's what I get. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I walked away with. Because the only thing I... I kind of... And you're going to hate me for saying this, Shag, but I almost want to say that everything that went through the crack came back on this side except for one thing. And they're the quietest, and they're called the Silent Deadly Killers, and it's the Weeping Angels. They're called the Silent Killers. So you're saying you think the Silence is the Weeping Angels? Maybe they're the only things that have didn't come back through to existence, or we haven't seen them. So I'm wondering... There's something that could also, like, say, survive in the TARDIS computer or something. Anything that there could, you know, they could come up with some way... And we've already seen they can project their voices... Through yeah. electronics. Oh, I so forgot to if... mention how much I hated fucking Angel Bob, by the way. Um, <laughs> I loved anyway. Angel Bob. Just the per- don't give them a personality. They were better as creeping unknowns. Anyway, um, uh, your theory, your theory, your, th- your theory is interesting. Horribly wrong, but interesting. Um, <laughs> I don't think the angels are the silence, but I think the angels are coming back probably at some point. They'll give it a year or two off, but they'll come back. But I don't think they're the silence. You know what I liked about this finale also? It's, well, it's kind of two things. First, Moffat kind of kept that fairy tale theme he was going for, and it played out throughout oh, yeah. the whole season. But I did like that, unlike previous seasons, everybody survived, more or less. We didn't have anybody leave, nobody died, they all stayed, and they actually, you know, continued their adventure. So we didn't have, you know, a, a Rose getting stuck in another dimension. We didn't have Martha, you know, saying, I have to leave you, or Donna getting her mind erased. Everybody, well, and, and we didn't have anyone regenerate. Yeah, we have, you, you got yeah. your cake. You got your cake and eat it too, though, because it did happen. It happened to the doctor. It's just that he came back. So yeah, you, you but... got you got you got that big dramatic death scene, but then they undid it, which is something I wanted to talk about. Because, hold on, I'm thinking really hard, and I'm remembering the pizza I had last night, but it's not appearing. Damn, huh? What the fuck? You remember something so it becomes real again? I mean, I love it's the only setup. Only with Amy, though. I, I think you have I to lo- be Amy Pond. Yeah, I love this. I love the setup. I love the 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 something blue, something new. I love that. That was great. That was awesome. But really, you just remember something and it comes back. I mean, maybe she's gonna remember. I don't know. A bowel movement. Is that gonna make it come back? I mean, it's just. I don't like that. It's, it's better than what we've had in other finales, though. I mean, we, we've had, you know, enemies sucked into a white nothingness. We've had, you know, time being erased. We've had Time Lords coming back only for nothing to happen, and then they get sent back anyway. This is, like, the least of all the shitty things that have happened in a finale. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll give you that. It, it, I, goes, it goes hand-in-hand with what I was saying earlier about season finales. You, you just have to accept certain things. You just go with it. So, what are you I, saying, I, I also think the stuff that she was remembering... 
was the the fact that it was gone was wrong somehow it was not it was somehow discontinuous with the with the way things were supposed to be mm-hmm. somehow you know it was it was some sort of you know sideline from the time continuum that wasn't supposed to happen and all hinging around Amy Pond so that's why that's sort of what I figured was the way it was a it was able to repair itself. It was, if it was going to be repaired, it had to be repaired by Amy because she was the sort of only thing that's linked to every to link to everything. You know, from the point of you, you know beginning to end with the crack, from her room to that point. So. I wonder if it makes her less important because this entire season revolves around how important Amy is. It because and of now the crack. she's just a person now. I know, and I wonder about is is Roy still a robot? No, I don't no. think he is. No, he's, how he, is he not? He well, he even mentions well, he, the, the, all of history's been rewritten. You never died. He even says that he goes. Yeah. In the wedding, like the camera pulls away from him when the doctor's showing up, and he says something like, "I was a robot." Or, or to something like that. He, yes, he's remembering it. How did I forget I was okay. a robot or whatever? Yeah, because history was rewritten. I did it. I do love that bit when then she when she says, oh, "You're late for my wedding," and the TARDIS yeah. appears, and Matt Matt Smith's ridiculous dance that he did. <laughs> and, and... It was, uh, but all that was great button pushing. That was some oh, more yeah. just good lump in your throat button pushing, and it and it and and I gotta take my hat off to him because you're taking a risk with that shit of it being completely corny and, mm-hmm. and falling flat and so when when I you've... Don't, I don't think anyone but Matt Smith could have pulled that off well I, I mean... think they did the they did the work in this episode of building the characters and making you care about them that they that they've earned pushing your buttons uh, on emotional scenes you know it it it, it the those scenes mean, you know, even if it is just, you know, whatever, a cheesy sci-fi show, they mean so much more because they were, at, you know, they actually mean something in the context of all the characters and in the story. And and a lot of times you see, like, a lot of the, the you know, seasonal dramas, they're, they're going to kill some... ER was, remember ER was killing off people, like, almost randomly, like... Just like the car crash, didn't somebody like get killed by a helicopter or something? Just you know, just sporadic, you know, it, for these big dramatic effects. But it was something they were doing because they were like, "Well, somebody's got to die. We need big drama." And this didn't feel like this. This was fit right into the whole fabric of the story, and. They, de- they deserve, you know, when, when they get those lumps in your throat are well-deserved, just like E.T. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge risk when you do, when you put, you know, an, emo- an emotional journey. Because if the emotional journey falls flat, the big moments aren't going to work. And these did, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah, they become almost like bad comedy or, you know, uh, something that's that's ridiculed. There's, as far as the very ending, um, I was literally punching the air, cheering when Amy and Rory yes. and the Doctor go in the TARDIS and go off to solve whatever yes. that bullshit little situation. It's just like that was so awesome. And I'm so glad. I was glad punching I... the air out of relief. I was actually relieved. I was just like, oh, yes, it's over. And they're all, go- you know, and they're yeah. all going off to have they're... more fun. Yes. And, and I love that the TARDIS and, and this kind of, you know, I didn't know whether Rory was going to hang around or not. I thought he was going to stay back home. But I'm so glad he went because I. 
we need a TARDIS with a different makeup. It doesn't just need to be the Doctor and the pretty girl or the Doctor and the other girl, whatever. It needs to be the Doctor. We, now having Doctor and two people you know, on a regular basis makes it so much more interesting, I think. Yes. It's, it's a new dynamic. They used to do this all the time in the original yes. series, but they haven't done it in New Who yet for any extended period of time. So I'm glad. And, 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 I lo- and now, after the finale, I love Rory. He's, oh. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Yeah, I'm, now I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it just starting from that fresh point. It's awesome, and it's refreshing that there wasn't, you know, that the, the, the darkness was actually was resolved at the end of it instead of it being, you know, every, 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 you know, Doctor Who is definitely, definitely a little darker than it used to be, but it still can, you know, it, it doesn't end on that. It doesn't end in tragedy, which seems to be the sort of, yeah, they even, got even in lighter series, they'll they'll end something in tragedy just to get that you know emotional punch. It all started. It all started with this is this is a stretch. It all started with um, good times when they killed off the dad in good times. <laughs> it was so powerful. Like everybody my age that saw that remembers that moment when like you know when's dad coming home and like they get like uh, the mom gets a phone call and she goes your father was killed in a car accident you know and the audience goes Ooh, and there's this and like the the you know the 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 studio lights fade to black and all that and it was insanely intense and people were talking about it. i think they won an emmy for it and stuff and ever since then they've been striving for that a lot of times that moment you know where all of a sudden there's a serious moment or you know a sobering moment at the end of it i like this one is just like nope here we are it's it's you know it's like the end of an indiana jones movie or something everything's back in its place and 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 set up for for adventure there's there's no dark secret or horrible tragedy or missed friend or Still alive, and you're right because, like, in season one, it was the doctor died and regenerated. Season two, he lost Rose. Season three didn't end on a big death. Well, I guess the masters, but it 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 wasn't a happy ending though. Um, yeah. Season season four, you know, Donna's brain gets fried. You know, the 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 specials, the doctor regenerates. So every big ending, it's been you know not satisfying and this one it's like yay hooray it's yes. fun fun time yeah yeah this well that's what doctor who is supposed to be you know so i i mean this really felt like i was very comfortable after all these years stepping into this this season and having it feel like doctor who having the character be you know that combination of you know this character you'd love to be around but still a little prickly around the edges you know the doctor wouldn't be all fun in games to be around because sometimes he fucks with you or you know sometimes he's uh, you know or you know your life is in danger an awful lot <laughs> and you get hypnotized or whatever but yeah it was sprain your ankle a lot too i'm 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 very happy i i just my favorite thing that I... The only thing that I just miss more than anything, and I guess I'm going to have to watch the Sarah Jane Smith, was when when the sets would get too bumpy and 
you know, it would be like Romana or Sarah Jane Smith would actually have to pick up K9 <laughs> and carry him around for a little while. And sometimes they would even shoot him, like holding him like a gun, you know, and let him. Mistress? Oh, I love K9. I love that shit, man. And, and the K9 that they would pick up, you could tell, was just like a, a plywood shell K9 because the one with the motor in it had to weigh. You know, probably like 70 pounds or something like that. She would just hoist him up and, come on, K9, good, uh, good dog. <laughs> Near as I can tell, K9 just lives in the attic of Sarah Jane's place. But. <laughs> and I also like that he and the doctor had a very like they had a prickly relationship. That the K9 was always kind of messing back with the doctor. I was just watching a YouTube video where K9 beat him at chess. And then rubbed it in. There's this, it. there's this great outtake scene where Tom Baker's talking to K9. I've only heard the audio on it. He's like, you know, he asks K9, K9, do you know the answer? And K9 says, you know, like, insufficient data, master. And he goes, you never fucking know the answer. <laughs> it probably sounded so natural coming out of Tom Baker too. Oh yeah. I still, I just love Tom Baker. He was just awesome. Hello, hello, hello. Hey, it's yeah, Hope! Sometimes my mic goes on, like, sleep. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I, I was like, man, she must be pissed. Yeah, well, I, was I, get, I was getting worried. I'm like, she hasn't, told... she hasn't... I was thinking, she hasn't told me I'm wrong in at least ten minutes. Something ain't right. <laughs> well, what happened was, I didn't want to interrupt, and before I could say anything, we went to a new subject, so I didn't want to backtrack. Well, backtrack. Because I on. wanted to talk more about Rory. <laughs> Yay, Rory! Well, I just want to say, like, I think let someone wait 2,000 years and protect you for that long and that's just like the ultimate act of love and then it pissed me off that after all that she wanted to make out with the doctor and it made me just think that she was a whore again <laughs> she's only human I think she but was still because she said it practically no, in front of her no she wasn't and, there's, and people she said it in front of him what do they call that? They didn't they, stop her before. They call it like misdirected. It's like misdirected trauma, emotional something. Like you know, you're you're walking around with your with your best friend, you know, of the opposite sex or whatever. Somebody you have a platonic relationship with, and you get hauled into an alley and beat up and robbed, and you know, and, and the next thing you know, there's some romantic attachment happening i think that was sort of happening with her you know all of a sudden this whole thing that you know i'm sure she always knew that the doctor was real but some part of her was still there was still some part of her had to be saying well it could just be a delusion but she's you know she held on to it and then when it all finally comes true and you're having adventures in time and space you know i mean her you know her emotions were misplaced and the doctor dealt with it very maturely. But I mean, after Amy's choice, from there on out, I just don't see her doing that. And no, no, her... no, no. No, and well, I think I think the doctor purposely set up all those, set up all you know, purposely got them together and, and experiencing the adventures together. So it was Rory and Amy that were bonded you know they were already bonded but you know now they could bond now they can both bond over having their life endangered by the doctor they can both get pissed off at the doctor and and uh you know because and and once that starts happening the interplay between amy and rory is great it's completely 
the interplay that I've noticed between, you know, couples that are just natural couples that get along really well. They they definitely have that that um chemistry. And they're yeah. still married. I'm yeah, I was gonna say I'm not familiar with old who. Is this the first time there's been a married couple on the TARDIS? Yes. Cool. And that's actually a quick thing. I, I had two quick worries about next season is I really hope they don't spend a lot of time with Amy's family, just because we've seen that already with Rose's family and, and Martha's family. And God, now that they brought her family, has a mommy problem. <laughs> but <laughs> now that they brought now, now that they brought and also I'm sorry Donna's parents too. Um, now that they brought Amy's parents back, so I just hope that doesn't become a reoccurring thing. And with them being a married couple, now that the the chase is over, I'm worried that the only real heartstring they can pull now is to put one of them in danger every week and the other right. one has to be worried I, if, 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 if it continues with the level of writing I'm confident that I, I've been seeing a very good trend there's a lot of crap entertainment out there lately but I've also been seeing a very good trend in the last decade of there being some really good writers out there really really strong writers who anticipate stuff like that you know and the do and and this season of doctor who pretty much proved to me that they and and doctor who is weathered is a it's a it's a fan favorite so when you're a fan favorite huh? you're you weather the storm constantly you know chris the, the, yes two words neil gaiman oh yeah right Please explain. Neil Gaiman's writing an episode for next season. Oh, that's interesting. Yep. And the season's going to start He's with... perfect uh, for Doctor Who. With Dumbledore. The actor who currently plays Dumbledore right now is going to be in the season. Oh. Uh, is he in the Christmas special or the yep. season premiere? Uh, he's in, the, I think, the Christmas special, and I hope he's wearing his Dumbledore costume because I'd be so happy. Neil Gaiman is is perfectly suited for writing Doctor Who. That's for sure. He's got everything. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see an Alan Moore Doctor Who. Wouldn't oh God, that no. be a treat? Oh, oh yeah. No, he would do it right, man. There would be some twists. There would be some twists to it, but he would, he would capture the essence of it. I'm sure. As a matter of fact, I think it would be really funny because Alan Moore is more used to having to go at American characters. You know, he might not. He might not be as. Uh, he might be a little more um, reverent with Doctor Who because it's something. I, I imagine he's grown. He's had to have grown up with it. You know, so. I. Uh, he, you know, you mentioned that he probably could have wrote a really good master story, and uh, with a master yeah. that wouldn't have just bothered the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. See, if he'd written the Vincent one, the 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 chicken creature would have definitely been more Cthulhu-like. Would have had some shit man he was right when he the few star wars stories he wrote for the british comics were like half lovecraftian they were bizarre you know vader playing chess with lovecraftian creatures and fiery pits and stuff very interesting there's very one thing i want bizarre. to bring up yes there's an unsung hero of this season and that's the score i cannot wait until november when the score comes out on cd because yes. even the episodes I hated, like Victory of the Docks, I hate that episode. I love the score for that whole episode. Was it Murray Gold again? Yes. They bought him back. He's, he's, so, he's, 
I found so a, I found the score to it online, but the one that I got was like something that somebody, you know, doctored up, so to speak. Yeah. That, that mm. you know, so you can hear the sound effects and the dialogue and the. It's not really the score, you know, but. Because yeah, that, that one's got that one's got some great. You can tell they actually spent a little more time on that one. That one's got a really rousing cinematic score to it. Like just the whole season in general, whenever they've had a big moment, you know, a lot of what helps it is the score. So I cannot wait. November, I think when the DVD comes out, the CD for the score is going to come out, and I haven't bought a CD in forever. I'll be there in a second. I've picked up the previous ones. They're really, really good. I have some of the previous ones and Torchwood off iTunes. Oh, I don't have Torchwood. I didn't think about that. Oh, the Torchwood one's great. Marie Gold do that too? Yep. Helped. I'll just take this random opportunity here to say we're about running out of time here. But uh, we managed to get through all of them. And, Hells uh, yeah. And I, I'd like to say this has been a great podcast. I think I'd like to say that we haven't heard the last of Two True Freaks and Doctor Who. Hope not. Because I think there's a lot. I'm going to start watching some old episodes and doing some homework, and we'll have to get back together and reconvene and talk some we more We should Who. just go episode by episode. Like, start with season one, Christopher Eccleston, and then just go through. Those would just be fast little podcasts. Doctor Who <laughs> yeah. Mondays. And I'll I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd even I'll be willing to have Scott come back. Yeah. We could this. even uh, we could even do little specials where we pick out a couple of classic Who episodes. You guys watch them for the first time and then get your impressions. I'd love that. Or I'd love, uh, or maybe I do. do yeah, if you yeah, guys want to see a good format for that, Radio Free Scarrow, pretty much every time a new episode comes out, that's what they do. And now that the episodes aren't on, they go back and they do commentary on old episodes. Cool. So, hey, two true freaks listeners, go listen to Radio Free Scarrow. They're really fun. Maybe we can make up a wheel of who, and we can, <laughs> um, you know, one with a number and one with two different ones. One we roll it, and that we find out what what doctor we're going to watch, and then they have we'll a roll randomizer. It, and we'll watch. They click the button, and it pulls up a random episode. Yeah, there yeah, we could, we could. It could we'll pull a random number out of. I, well, I have a friend who's working on time vortexes now, so I'll see if he can get something that, where like I can have a cup, and I'll just throw the dice in, into some sort of singularity or something. So whenever a show happens, it'll spit dice out, you know, out of a point, in, uh, out of a point, you know, three feet ahead of my face, and then they'll come down, and then we'll determine which Doctor Who we're watching. All right, it but sounds the, like a plan. The randomizer was Well, the randomizer was in the original series, but there was also like a time space visualizer or something like that. Maybe we can make Ooh. maybe we can see if we can get our hands on one of those. I'd like to get one of those, you know, that that stuff turns up in scrap heaps. You'd be surprised. You just have to know the right places to hang out with. I think I've seen a couple of breaks. I I literally know Did you know you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows? That's right. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, 
tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf. And you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy. And there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com. Twotruefreaks.libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. You can find me, Scott Gardner, both on Twitter and Facebook. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. We are also members of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check it out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. Thanks for listening. Join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Future Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.